0: Thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. If you have not, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight, where we have some amazing merch and plenty of other things for you guys.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. This is Spartan 117.
0: Anyone hear me? Over. Isolate that signal. Master Chief, you mind telling me what you're doing on that ship?
1: Sir, finishing this fight.
2: Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall. So, you know, really quick, let's, let's go through some community updates. Uh, there really aren't any. I want, I want to start with this big one.
0: So we got exclusive access to this about some infinite, maybe something about infinity notes that only we saw. And it's literally nothing. There's nothing to update.
2: <laughs> There's nothing here. There's nothing going on. Well, we'll get there. It's the beginning of the year. And that's fine. And I think, you know, we've had some people say, you know, do an episode about what we know about Infinite. I just did it. Yeah. There, I mean, literally, we there's not much to to talk about. I mean, we know very few things. We know that something happened mm-hmm. to a Halo ring. Chief has new armor for whatever reason. Cortana has been, you know, she's, she's getting ready to fight with some kind of evil version of herself. Yeah. The game will never end. I mean, there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's not much, and yeah. so you know, and, until we have anything like concrete. I know, of course, you're going to see videos where you, you know we made joke. Oh, new infinite footage it's not but whatever or you know new infinite images like we're we're trying to only deliver concrete stuff and we've had people even ask us like is there anything new we don't know about like it's it's 2020 on the internet like you know you're gonna know as soon as us but yeah w- with that being said the only other thing i can think of is that is uh marcus leto on his twitter has been just releasing some pre-render Halo 2 cutscenes, along with some of his original designs of the Warthog back in 97, Mm -hmm. back when uh, Halo was going to be, you know, or even at the time it was an unnamed project, was going to be that sci-fi RTS. So that's really cool. Go to his Twitter, check that out. You know, other than that, I mean, clearly as, you know, concrete news or anything exciting, nothing really other than, I think, the, you know, potentially those combat-evolved flight tests for PC are going to be starting here soon.
0: Yeah, that's that's really all we're going to get now. It's the beginning of the year. It's the slow season for pretty much all media you're getting Mm -hmm. your kind of junky movies out of the way you're getting your your floppy games you know if there's something decent possibly out there but for right now we'll probably be quiet until we start really
2: ramping up into Mm -hmm. award seasons and into some more stuff March, April. Yeah, exactly so with that being said We are covering Halo Legends. This is our first, and Alex made a comment earlier when I said this on Discord, our our kind of first movie episode. I mean, by default it is, but it's an anthology. It's, It's an
0: anthology compilation of kind of eight different artistic pieces covering different Halo lore from way back when? Mm -hmm. To kind of current day stuff.
2: Yeah. So let's talk about the movie itself. So Halo Legends is the first movie released in the Halo franchise by 343 Industries and six studios based out of Japan. The movie tells eight stories in the Halo universe, giving background to certain events and lore, along with telling new stories within the vast timeline of Halo. Now, the compilation was released February 16th, 2010, worldwide on DVD and Blu-ray, distributed by Warner Bros. So I, I just said, you know, there's six studios... Let's learn really quickly about those six studios. And as, you know, Alex had told me right before we started recording, these are are big studios. It's big names you got
0: here. I mean, one of our first ones is Bones. And Bones Incorporated is an animation studio based out of Japan, founded in October of 1998, based in Tokyo. Bones Incorporated is an animation studio with its headquarters out of Japan, founded in October 1998, with our current studio we're talking about based in Tokyo,
1: Mm -hmm. Um,
0: because there's also five other studios spread around uh, just because of the content they produce and and distribution and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It's huge. Yeah. And so this studio has been worked on many mediums, including movies, television shows, and video games. A couple things they're known for is things like Cowboy Bebop, Full Metal Alchemist, and My Hero Academia seasons one through four. So mm-hmm. some huge, huge titles that obviously have ranged through the 90s and the 2000s and into the present day.
2: Yeah. And, and I didn't realize that like a show like Cowboy Bebop or Full Metal Alchemist, they'll have multiple studios working on them. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes they'll work on this season or, you know, they'll work on a movie release for them. So you'll see some of these these animes and video games kind of thrown around throughout multiple studios. Yeah,
0: because one of the biggest things I know in animation studios, especially, is the crunch time.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I
0: mean, obviously, a lot of these have to put out weekly, and it's like, after you finish that one, you have to keep going and going and going. Mm -hmm. So, be able to spread it around, like you said, the movie or a special
2: season, or even like, they do these two seasons, someone else does these two and jumping back and forth. Mm -hmm. Some you see a lot of times. Yeah. So now let's move on to Casio Entertainment. So founded in 2004, Casio uh, Entertainment is based in Tokyo, Japan. And this studio has produced Final Fantasy VII Advent Children and animated the package for Halo Legends. This one's kind of a a very uh, hidden studio. That's all I could really find about them. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you said, you know, you said yourself Final Fantasy VII was a great game, especially like an anime game.
0: Yeah, I mean, Advent Children is, is a really well done anime adaptation of it, uh, which is awesome. So it's 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 there. Like they definitely mm-hmm. have the credentials for it, and the package itself is is really well done, as we'll come to see.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we have Production I.G. So based in Tokyo, Japan, and founded in December of 1987, Production I.G. has helped produce television shows, movies, games, and more for titles such as Tales of Symphonia, Attack on Titan, Ghost in the Shell, Appleseed, Kill Bill, Ultraman, One Piece. Fully coolie, and much more. And that brings us to Studio 4 Degrees Celsius.
0: Formed in 1986 and founded by Iko Tanaka, Studio 4 Degrees Celsius is an anime studio based out of Tokyo, Japan. The studios created movies, television shows, commercials, shorts, music videos, video games and pretty much everything else. Yeah, as most of these studios have. hmm They're most known for their work with Memories, Spriggan, Mind Game, Harmony, and Mutafukas, <laughs> which is great. Um, they've also helped develop the Animatrix and Batman Gotham Knight.
2: Which were, were those were huge mm-hmm. uh, for, for coming over to the West and having, you know, Batman and the Matrix come in that anime medium. Yeah, because it, it, it was around the time where anime really started to mainstream it mm-hmm. in the Western
0: world, pretty much the U.S. especially, and having, you know, a huge title like Animatrix and being able to digitize that. As an anime was was really really big,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. So now let's move on to Toy Animation. Founded in January twenty third, nineteen forty eight, Toy would be the first animation studio dedicated to the anime genre. Now, throughout the years, Toy would solidify themselves as an iconic studio, producing work for One Piece, Digimon, Cyborg zero zero nine, Dragon Ball, Transformers, Sailor Moon, and Yu Gi Oh.
0: So one of the first, which is, which is fantastic. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's so weird to think. Because you're in the age of where pretty much most animation, especially Western animation and a lot of Eastern animation, especially anime, is digital.
1: Mm-hmm, you're mm-hmm. thinking
0: of like doing it on your drawing pad and kind of going through. But this is yeah. like old school Disney style-esque yeah, work yeah. that we're really seeing. So it's really cool to like think of that as a, st- as a studio survived for that.
2: Yeah, especially being the first one dedicated to anime. Because mm-hmm. anime it was actually around in the early 1900s, but they were the first one to say this is all we're going to do. Yeah. So that leads us to B-Train. B-Train
0: actually formed under Production IG in June of 1997. After producing work for series such as Mortal Kombat, Fooly Cooly*, Full Metal Alchemist, Batman Gotham Knight, and much more, the studio has since gone dormant after founder Kyochi Mashimo's retirement. The studio has four studios total that produce work with them yeah i
2: think this is around 2012 Mm -hmm. i think they kind of went dormant so who knows what's going on with them at this point there's not a lot of information out there so as is kind of our tradition with the podcast you know now that we're covering a new medium we want to give you a quick history of anime itself because i actually found this to be very interesting to kind of find out about a lot of this so anime can be traced back all the way to the birth of film in japan in the early 1900s so after World War II, the first full-fledged anime studio would emerge, Toy Animation, looking to create animations in vain of Disney. Mm-hmm. This would eventually lead to Shonen Saratobi Sasuke being the first anime featured in the United States. Mm-hmm. And during the 60s, with the rise of television in Japan, the popular
0: manga Sally the Witch would be adapted to a television show, along with Tesujin 28 Go. This would also lead to the release of Cyborg 009, and in 1963, the first major Japanese export, Astro Boy, would make its way to American audiences. And in 1968, the classic Speed Racer would also make its way to American audiences, zooming into our hearts for people that old. (laughs) As these these titles were making their way to the West, the American audiences didn't exactly realize that these movies and shows were made for Japanese audiences, and most of them were censored, along with certain aspects being cut from them. And we'll go into that a little bit more to talk about how, you know, like, even like WB Kids and various other shows that we've seen, like Pokemon and Mm -hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh, have been censored for our audiences, Mm-hmm. Which is very interesting, kind of seeing the differences is pretty crazy.
2: Yeah. So in the 70s, television would start to make a dent in the movie industries. So many studios dedicated to television shows would start working on movies to fill in the talent pool. This would lead to experimental time for anime, spotting classics like Mazinger Z, Space Battle Yamato, and the legendary mobile suit Gundam. During this time, some ambitious projects would not bode well, like the iconic Akira actually did poorly in theaters, which is, you know, people cite that as like, that's the first modern day anime. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's the reason we have everything we have today. So it's one of those things like it wasn't appreciated in its time cliche, but that's still wild for me to see. Yeah, especially like if you're changing
0: up an audience perspective or bringing a lot of, because you have to figure this is still 60s into 70s, no internet. You're mm-hmm. getting everything you can that's anime-esque mm-hmm. is just what you, I guess, assume Japanese culture is at that yeah. point. So it's it's tough. But that does lead us to the 80s where television Japan would skyrocket, leading to many reruns of popular anime shows, allowing the genre to grow more and more. The short rise of Laserdisc would also help the popularity of anime. And since anime hadn't yet made its way to VHS... Owning a laser disc in the '90s would show one seriousness of their love of anime. So it's kind of it's kind of starting weeb culture yeah. at that point.
2: Well, what I w- what I said on the Discord is I went to a toy convention Sunday mm-hmm. and I saw of like a season of Gundam on laser disc. Yeah. Like I, I God knows how much the guy was charging. I didn't even want to like touch it, but I mean it was so bizarre and cool to see
0: it's neat it's like those little like niche things that Uh like fit some void is pretty crazy Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and so that led anime fans to obviously want a little bit more Mm -hmm. and so coming along in the mid 90s you're seeing that a lot of these are ported to vhs and that they come with their own subtitles yeah
2: well a lot of fans
0: were doing this themselves Mm -hmm. and so in 1995 the first anime to really break through, especially to Western mainstream audiences, would be Neon Genesis Evangelion. I think that's right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Give me them comments. <laughs> the
2: show would help push the boundaries in storytelling with an anime. That was actually, and this this is really going to show how kind of old we are. Do you remember like those little portable TVs that mm-hmm. looked like almost like they were just like a brick? Yeah, and like the they had like a like the necklace to wear them was the antenna. I watched this show when I was a kid. That was the first anime I ever saw on that little TV that was like two by two inches. <laughs> so doing the research, I was like, what? Because uh, I was thinking, I was like, what show was that? And then like that name popped up. I looked it up. I was like, oh, my God, that was the first show. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. Kind of a uh, uh, taking me back to the past. A callback for you. Yeah. So in the late 90s, anime would further grow in popularity with the Internet and in the new DVD format. This gave fans a way to easily gain access to original uncut animes from years prior. This, in the ever-growing popularity of television, would spawn the growth of English dub shows like Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, and Pokemon. Though in the early 90s, you know, going back just a little bit, anime would see a slight decline, leading to studios adapting more and more, you know, mangas to anime, such as One Piece, Naruto, and bleach though despite many hardships that the genre would endure with like the rise of piracy and whatnot you know and anime studios demanding more and more unreasonable hours work anime would still solidify itself as a mainstream commodity you know within anime studios especially now in 2020 yeah because i mean you you also have
0: so many services that you can do obviously like i like to buy for me i like to have physical media of shows Mm -hmm. i love So I have some things like Cowboy Bebop and Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and stuff on DVDs and Blu-ray. But you've also got services like Crunchyroll, where it's all anime. You can pretty much pull almost anything from it. Mm -hmm. Or if you're looking at even just like some of the more mainstream stuff, you can pull it from Hulu, from Netflix.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, Netflix is doing its own animes now. Yeah. We we talked about Castlevania before we started recording. Yeah, so so you
0: have a lot of stuff that you're seeing that's kind of adopting Many different versions of it, and we'll talk about even the art styles that we see in Legends mm-hmm. that, I mean, range from your typical kind of, like, Western, kind of made-for-Western anime. That's kind of like goofy, bonk-stuff-on-the-head, laugh-at-it type mm-hmm. thing that we see within— uh, Odd One Out. Odd One Out, thank you. Yeah. To even more crazy stylized one, like the
2: Duel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, wrapping this all up— Alex and I are going to tell you our favorite animes. So I'll start with going with Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, and Dragon Ball GT. Yes, I know it's not canon. I don't care. I love it. Cowboy Bebop, Death Note, Yu Yu Hakusho, Pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh! and Digimon, just because I lived those as a kid, along with Trigon and The Big O.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's what I love with this, too, is with an anime, you can get deep down nitty-gritty of, like, finding... Those laser discs of some show only three people saw, mm-hmm. if you don't be that anime fan, or just the things that you really enjoy. Like you said, as a kid, like growing up with Yu Gi Oh! and Pokemon and Digimon, obviously the Western censored versions that instead of like delicious Japanese food, it was like hamburgers and stuff yeah. they replaced
2: it with. I mean, that's why I love hamburgers now. I saw them eating it in Digimon and Pokemon.
0: Exactly. And that's exactly it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's great. And, and, like I said, I, I kind of enjoy a little bit of everything. Like one well, one of my favorites that I'm waiting for season two to kind of come with is One Punch Man, mm-hmm. um, which is
2: and I guess I like a lot of spoof stuff. So have you seen One, Pun- one Punch Man? I actually have not yet. I, isn't it kind of like a parody on the superhero genre? Yes. Okay. It, so it's basically
0: okay. he just has these powers where one punch kills everything. Mm-hmm. And it's basically he says he does it by basically just doing a really routine of push-ups, jumping jacks and running. <laughs> And he's like, that's what you need to do every day. So One Punch Man, obviously Cowboy Bebop, Full Metal Alchemist, and Brotherhood, Attack on Titan. Um, One I'm watching right now is Psyche K, which is just Psychic, and it's also another spoof show. Hmm. And it's fantastic. Um, And obviously a lot of the Netflix stuff that's coming out is just really well done. There's Castlevania, and I don't remember the name, but there is a full-length metal album music video that is done by the uh, artists who create like Samurai Jack and Mm -hmm. all of those,
2: and Afro Samurai and it brings that art style into this crazy music video that's tight mm-hmm. so so if you're still with us now we're actually going to start talking about legends but again for you to truly appreciate legends you had to know everything that there was to know about anime and our favorite animes so with that being said let's talk about creating the movie itself so legends had actually been years in the making according to frank o'connor ever since the halo graphic novel o'connor was looking to do the same thing on a much larger scale in the anime medium senior business development manager for xbox alicia hatch asked o'connor around 2008 if the halo anime anthology was still an idea he'd like to pursue because you know you saw the graphic novel he's like we should do this in anime. And mm-hmm. probably at the time, he was still working with Bungie and you know Microsoft wasn't trying to grow Halo outside of the medium of games just yet as yeah. hard as they were. So yeah, so he, he was definitely still up for that idea. So eventually this would lead to Halo Legends. O'Connor was actually responsible for creating all of the stories himself along with most of the scripts. Because most of the studios, when they were approached, they're like, write a story. And they were like, we don't know anything about your universe. Yeah. Like, we're not going to write a story. So he would write them himself, and he would even... He'd give them the basic layout of the story and the scripts. But he would say that about 50% of what he wrote in the scripts would make it into the shorts. So the stories that he wrote came Mm -hmm. from two things, which were curiosity and backstory. So part of it was, I want to... I want a backstory to the Arbiters. But at the same time, it's also, you know, what did happen with the Forerunners before we were around because we don't know anything about them. It's an odd thing that you're like, I'm curious about this. I'm just going to write it myself. Mm -hmm. Because he was in that place, you know, this is still as you know this is in 343's infancy so they're still growing and growing and he definitely is the top dog there right now so he has the ability to kind of create all this stuff when he wants to yeah yeah so though dozens of stories were conceptualized only eight came to life so o'connor also wanted to take the interactive experience away from the players and instead have them quote-unquote stop and smell the roses when it came to the halo universe So early on in development,
0: uh, Shinji Aramaki would get involved as the creative director for the project. Um, You know, he pretty much O'Connor was like, we need someone to really come on and and guide this. And so he had stated that he had played the Halo games backwards, so 3, 2, and then CE. Kind of how I did it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And was so impressed by them that he had gotten a hold of Joseph Chow, Legends producer, and wanted to make a movie about Halo. Chow would eventually get a hold of Microsoft pitching the idea. Fortunately, since an anime Halo movie was already on 343's mind, the timing was perfect. Aramaki would claim that he had little to no restrictions with the project, other than the scale of the project wasn't going to be as big as he wanted it, but th- that it was still like within the realm of possibility with his ideas.
2: I think he wanted it to be one movie, like one movie about the story. And I th- and I think we'll find out here. I think he wanted it to be the fall of Reach.
1: Mhm.
0: And it makes sense. I mean, I think that's that's one of the biggest tellings that we'll eventually see. And also, also, it's just a, a great story that I think, one, it kickstarted the Halo universe, obviously, mm-hmm. um, within the books, but it was such an impactful turn of the war.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So,
0: with that, Shinji Aramaki's wife actually got him into Halo. She stated that it was the best game on the Xbox 360, and Aramaki says proudly that he has beaten Halo 3 in Legendary. Cool. <laughs> he's so done- have I. I haven't, so he's... <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) He's got one on me. Once Aramaki would become involved, Chow would quickly get him a translated version of the Fall of Reach to get a real feel for the Halo universe. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, Aramaki's ideas came from the book. And additionally, he would get a lot
2: of his ideas while sketching during meetings with Frank O'Connor. And we'll talk about that later on because if they had an idea, he would sketch it immediately. Like, which I think is so crazy. Well, it's smart. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if you're taking notes, take your notes. It's yeah. So, Halo Legends would officially be announced at the 2009 San Diego Comic-Con. Now, from the beginning, it was clear that Legends was going to be a one-off. I know for years people we were like, give us another Legends. Frank O'Connor has said, nope, this is going to be a one-time thing because he stated that, you know, he didn't want it to turn into a Mario or Madden kind of thing. Okay, multiple game producer. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: but yeah so o'connor had stated that the choice for anime was based on the animation style and not so much the genre itself minus on one out so you know we we literally had a long discussion in discord today about you know uh had said well it's not really anime well it, he just wanted the art style he didn't want kind of the goofy antics and slapstick that could go along with it because for the most part halo is a Very serious story to tell. So he also felt that Halo's art style would mend well with multiple art styles within anime. You know, as we talked about, there are lots of studios that animated for this. Anime was also chosen due to the fact that it's easier to create short animations in Japan where there was an abundance of studios versus the amount of time it would take to produce one within Western studios. Mm -hmm. And then finally, O'Connor had stated that he just he wanted to see this interpretation of Halo done by someone other than someone within Microsoft or 343. Like, he wanted someone else to tackle it just to see how they would, you know, show what they felt Halo was.
0: And it's it's interesting, too, because we we do see a minuscule amount of that in the books. Like, yes, mm-hmm. they do follow up. They have a little bit of leeway. But for the most part, the books, to me, are kind of safe thus far. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the comics and this, like, it's it's really cool to see the free reign that they they kind of take and the mm-hmm. liberties they take. And it actually expands your idea on the like kind of what can be in
2: that Halo universe. Yeah. So English and Japanese scripts were also written at the same time to avoid rough translation process from either Japanese to English or English to Japanese now, the artists from the studios were given creative freedom when it came to the design of each episode. Though 343 Industries would simply instruct that the characters, vehicles, weapons, etc., they needed to look how they do in the Halo universe. But, you know, other than that, they, they were allowed to put their creative spin on a lot of things. Studios were also given access to the Halo Bible to help them create their shorts. Mm-hmm. And some of the studios had never touched a Halo game before. I'd say that's probably all I of them. I would say pretty much <laughs> all of them
0: before Legends, because we talked about the I don't remember which episode. It was one of the artists I believe for one of the comics was from Japan, and mm-hmm. he had to like get it imported and play it because it really the Xbox itself too wasn't a huge selling console in Japan, mm-hmm. so it makes sense yeah. that it happened. And so with this, Frank O'Connor would spend much time in Japan teaching the unfamiliar studios about the universe of Halo along with playing the games with them. Eventually, each studio would have an employee turned residential Halo nerd by the end of each
2: project. Mm-hmm. I, I, felt, I felt that was really cool to see, like, you know, it, if someone was sold by the end of it, and they'd said that, and, and I and by nerd, I, like, we're saying, like, this this guy would start reading a lot of the books, mm-hmm. and he'd kind of be almost like, not literally, but he'd be, like, the snob of the studio. So, like, every studio had one guy that they could go ask questions to, which I think is really cool. That's great. And so Seraphin Digital Studios would end up handling all the English voiceovers
0: um, mm-hmm. and the title of the movie is literal mm-hmm. all stories are told of those
2: who are considered legends in the Halo universe mm-hmm. so at least this time it's not like a Halo evolutions thing where it's like why is this here but now we know it's like you know Frank O'Connor had said these are all stories of legends and it, it, it'll make sense as we talk about this it, and it will because it's, it's pretty neat
0: because we'll see in some of these that the stories. "Quote unquote," told later, are from other people. Mm-hmm. Like in one of them, someone dies, and it's only told basically through the stories of those who are there. So it is that mm-hmm. legends aspect that probably that you see in like military or even schools, like telephone mm-hmm. of like you kind of go through and it kind of heightens it and it becomes this kind of crazy thing.
2: Yeah. So now let's move on to the marketing for the. I guess the movie, the anthology, however you want to call it. So the first trailer would debut, you know, as we said, at the 2009 San Diego Comic-Con. So now we have Halo Waypoint. So in 2009, Halo Waypoint would premiere The Babysitter and The Package a few months before the initial release. Now, leading up to the release, every Saturday, fans could watch previews and behind-the-scenes footage of the development of Legends. And by the way, we are going to touch a little bit on Waypoint in our Halo Reach episode, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that we're probably going to be doing an episode, you know, a bonus episode here soon, all about Waypoint. So if you're curious about that, just stay tight. We will talk about Waypoint eventually. So now we have the Spike Channel Preview. On September 18th, 2009, at midnight, Spike played clips from The Babysitter as part of a promotion for the release of Halo 3 ODST called Countdown to ODST on GTTV. During the special... GTTV's Jeff Keeley interviewed Joe Staten, Brian Gerard, and Frank O'Connor. Good old Spike TV. Yeah, which is now Paramount Network. Mm-hmm. This, <laughs> this episode is very dated. So now let's talk about Halo Legends Heroes Journey Sweepstakes. So this was a promotion allowing fans to enter codes from Twitter and Facebook onto twsweeps.com to receive digital cards with information on characters and stories and legends. Fans would also be entered in for a chance to win a trip for two to visit 343 industries and xbox 360 elite and a copy of legends so fun stuff i i, I always love seeing that kind of that integration and we'll see that more especially with the marketing of reach with like stuff like that like you have to take this apply it to this website because mm-hmm. a lot of people did participate in this is this a big deal oh, yeah. at the time y- you know what we need more in life sweepstakes i want more <laughs> sweepstakes <laughs> we do I I want to I want to go visit three four three. I'll never win, but I want to do it. <laughs> so then, finally, we have the premiere. So IGN, Warner Brothers, and Microsoft would team up for the premiere of Halo Legends at the AMC Metreon in San Francisco on February 10th. To get on the guest list, all one had to do was email Halo Legends at ign.com their name. However, it was a first come first serve to getting into the theater, so it was suggested that attendees arrive early. How early do you think people were arriving? Six, seven hours. Six, seven hours. I probably would have done that. I think so. Yeah. So so now let's move on to, you know, the official summaries of all of the shorts. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start off with Origins 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. So you can think of it as one anthology,
0: uh, but it's two obviously different cuts. Mm-hmm. And so this was done by Studio 4 Degrees Celsius mm-hmm. or 4 Degrees C, however you want to kind of put I, it. I think they, always, they called it 4C. Four degrees Celsius. We're gonna put the whole name now. Four C director Hideki uh, Futamura, and so part one starts very similar to what we have in the games. It's kind of Cortana looking over Chief and Cryo. Well, it's it's it picks off the ending of Halo Three. Yeah. So so mm-hmm. it's, it starts you pretty much off like you said with, with end of Halo Three. So you get very familiarized with Cortana talking, and she comes out of her little portal and kind of becomes full sized human. Yeah. To, to kind of go look at Chief and and somehow interact.
2: Yeah, and somehow interacts with it. Well, Frank O'Connor did say that this is an interpretation because she's going rampant at this point. Because I remember he, he did talk about this and he said, was she actually doing that? Because we see her like glowing red mm-hmm. for like half a second frame. Or is
0: that just kind of, we're seeing all of this from her perspective mm-hmm. and that's what she does in her perspective.
2: Yeah, so it's more of like, you know, because especially the origins one is from... Her kind of guessing what's going on she's she's filling in the pieces to a story, mm-hmm. and that story is of the forerunners mm-hmm. so this this is this was really exciting for me to watch because it's the first time we get to see the forerunners and she talks about you know a hundred thousand years ago, you know she goes on to describe the forerunners and they were just this great powerful civilization, you know almost peaceful, but then they encounter the flood and it's really crazy to see like almost like these flood you know, specimens the size of ships coming in mm-hmm. and taking over. And we also get to see a visualization of the Forerunners themselves. And yes. I loved the design for this. They never talked. They they were wearing these helmets. They kind of looked like just a bunch of really fancy white Power Rangers. But we see them battling the flood. And 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 what's really interesting is their choices
0: to show for, like, the ships and weaponry. Mm-hmm. Because they're obviously taking on the idea that all this tech is kind of what the covenant has interpreted mm-hmm. and what it's drawn from so you see very similar aspects of their pistols mm-hmm. is the exact same blue and tech from their energy swords that the covenant have mm-hmm. which i found very interesting that they're, they're tying everything in to make sure that you know here's kind of the start and dawn of pretty much all civilization as we see it now
2: yeah and you know it it basically explains that you know they're they're they entered the war too late because they thought they could simply sterilize the flood but Mm -hmm. that wasn't the case and so finally you know halo was suggested and they'd even said a thousand plans had tried and failed and they finally settled on halo it explains that you know they went and they got dna samples from every planet so they could reseed life after they lit the Halo rings. And
0: and to bring it back a little bit, what I find very interesting in this, the uh, animation and the art style they choose, is that the Forerunners are the only ones of an advanced civilization.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
0: because uh, I think every other civ- every other civilization was pretty much just starting out. It was, yeah. in its infancy.
2: Because yeah, it shows like the caveman equivalent to the Jirohani mm-hmm. to the to the uh, this is saying to, to even humanity as well. It shows like cavemen. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting as well. Yeah, but you know they they light the rings. The flood are eventually eliminated. And then it shows that these these forerunner vehicles are coming in and reseeding life. Like they're they're just walking out of these machines.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh almost like vending machine pods mm-hmm. they're kinda of starting yeah. to come out of and, yeah. and you see that like, okay, cool. And then you've got a very interesting aspect of, like, a caveman, like the big, bushy brown hair Mm -hmm. and and kind of the start of, like, Mm -hmm. Cro-Magnon humans. Yeah, and
2: and something to note is that we do see mendicant bias in Mm -hmm. this. Just for a few frames, we see him just hanging out with a bunch of Flood. So So he does. Yeah, this was definitely to seed a lot of lore and and ideas that were going to, you know, come to light here soon with the Forerunner trilogy and whatnot. I, I was
0: very, very shocked... Having not watched this previously, Mm -hmm. to see this now and be like, oh, they put a lot of lore into this right away Mm -hmm. without
2: kind of, like, dealing with it. Like, like it's just kind of like, we're doing this now. Yeah, but, I mean, hear me out, though. They really, if you think about, it, they only gave us just visuals of the forerunners. True. Like, and compared to the forerunner trilogy by Greg Bear, mm-hmm. it's nothing. If in the grand scheme of things, like they tell the whole story, like with all the dialogue and everything. I mean, everything about the forerunners.
0: Oh no, no, I, I totally agree. I, I think it's just crazy for this being their first walk in this medium. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that true. they do this, they tell the story of how. The universe basically survived after the, the Halo rings because we mm-hmm. all knew the Halo rings were activated at one point, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's why we don't have foreigners. But to see how they explain life coming back after everything's
2: wiped, mm-hmm. yeah. So then that moves on to, to Origins too, you know. Ends, and this is Cortana, by the way, narrating all of this. Yes, which I, the voice actor and her name escapes me, but I mean, definitely has Jen Taylor's mannerisms when it comes to. Being Cortana. So mm-hmm. I think she how she delivers this is all awesome. But it actually – this was really cool because Origins 2 starts out with almost like now we're growing from – Cavemen, because it focuses all around humanity. We're going from cavemen, and it and it excels. We see Egyptian times, we see Greek times. It shows the 300 Spartans mm-hmm. at one point, and it shows how we evolved. And it and it shows a lot of war. Basically, that's like the central theme: is that no matter what, you know, throughout the ages. Man fights man. And at one point it even shows like the invention of dynamite. It shows the atom bomb dropping. Like it's a really it it it's it's definitely a social commentary, inadvertently for sure. And it it shows how, you know, it shows the the invention of the Sha Fujikawa space drive and it shows us starting to populate other planets. But eventually, you know, Cortana explains, no matter what, we have to fight. And so it starts showing the insurrection. Yeah, because it's basically talking about how humanity has never satiates
0: its appetite for war and destruction mm-hmm. of its own of its own kind. Because, like you said, it goes through the different wars and the invention of the atom bomb. And then obviously it shows this kind of peace where the world is now united. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's able to travel through space and the inner colonies, of the Milky Way and go into the outer colonies. But as we see, the same way we have differences in present day with different countries, different people, the world's united; it's one people. But that's Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. Now they have the outer colonies, who are kind of like these these kind of backwater areas, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. You're starting to see more war happen, more turmoil, and basically bring us to Cortana's bring us to the salvation of what humanity was is uniting against a common
2: enemy. Mm-hmm. And that enemy is the Covenant. Mm-hmm. So it's it's now showing us that now, okay, we're fighting against the Covenant. We kind of unite together. And remember, this is how she's telling this is as general and yet as specific she can be. Because mm-hmm. clearly there was still insurrectionists out there fighting against us, even though we were fighting the Covenant. She is just telling this as general as it needs <laughs> it's, to it's, be. It's kind of like the most, if you only play the video games... Mm-hmm. that's like the story you're getting right now mm-hmm. yeah and so you know we we fight together against the covenant and just these visuals that we're seeing of this war going on between the covenant and the unsc is beautiful i, I can't stress especially origins part two because it does have a different animation style than the first mm-hmm. one is phenomenal it, it, it reminds me of like those beautiful stylistic end
0: credits mm-hmm. to different movies where it's kind of like like a cut pan and it's kind of like slow motion of stuff moving and then a mm-hmm. cut pan. It, it's it's really well done. If we haven't said it before, we'll say it now. You can get this right now on Netflix, mm-hmm. rent it on YouTube or
2: various other platforms. You need to check it out and kind of follow along with us for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And so as that's going on, Cortana then says now all of a sudden she, she talks about the flutter back and he even shows the invasion on High charity mm-hmm. and how they came in and took that over, and we see this awesome shot at one point. We see like the arbiter, like quickly transform. You know, he goes from fell to the arbiter because mm-hmm. he has his hand over his chest, covering up that that uh, mark of being a heretic. So it, it shows, you know, like kind of how the flood start taking over. And again, keep in mind this is this is a broad story, a broad stroke. Because then she talks about how the you know the UNSC and the Covenant unite. To fight against the Flood. Mm -hmm. And this whole battle scene with uh, Sacred Icon Suite 2 going on in the background was beautiful. I cannot stress that enough. But it shows just this kind of really quick 10 or 15 second epic battle scene. We even see Johnson at one point. You see Master Chief in there. Like, it's beautiful. And then it kind of tones down. And this is where things get open to interpretation because... It goes into Cortana again talking about no matter what, you know, there will never there's never not going to be a need for soldiers like you. She's talking to chief. Mm-hmm. And we see in this this random cut, this random shot, the grave mind handing chief Cortana's chip, mm-hmm. which it, which is still nothing has ever been said about what that truly is. Again, it could be interpretation could be, you know, he gave Cortana the logic plague. But, it you know, it overall ends with her touching Chief's cryo chamber and, you know, just kind of hugging it. And at this one of time, we'll occasionally see her, like, flash red and, like, twitch. So, you know, that that overall—I mean, Origins is literally Origins. Yeah. It shows the origins of the, the Flood Forerunner war, and then it shows the origins of humanity itself and how we got to where we are now.
0: Yeah, give you a quick synopsis. And, like, the one thing I will say with this is that it does kind of solidify the end of her rampancy with mm-hmm. her eyes having just full red mm-hmm. and kind of being taken
2: over— implying that you know it's coming yeah and i mean origins is one one of my favorites for me just an fyi so let's talk about you know at the end of each one of these shorts we're just going to tell you some details about the production and whatnot so halo wars and if you watch this you'll see was probably the main art reference for origins 2 for sure some Mm -hmm. for one because we see those forerunner ships that they had in wars but You know, the the Arbiter you see, the, the Spartans with their original Mjolnir armor, like that was the original art reference for it. And I think it was actually really cool to see. Now, additionally, Origins 2 was finished before Origins 1. And so now also Frank O'Connor, you know, we talked about it. He wanted Origins 2 to be the complete opposite of Origins 1. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we sh- we see this this peaceful race just trying to avoid a fight with the flood, but they have to go do it eventually. But instead, you know, it shows humanity that's always eager to fight. So I always found I found that really interesting that he did have this commentary, the social political commentary going on over it the whole time. I-, I think it was it was a good way to do it. Mm hmm. So now let's move on to the second short, which is The Duel. Yeah. And so The Duel was du- had two directors. You
0: had Mamoru Ashi, which was the creative director of it. Mm-hmm. And then you had uh, Hiroshi Yamazaki, who was, I guess, kind of like the main lead. Mm-hmm. So the studio on this one was Production IG. It was written by Hiroshi Yamazaki. And the music was by Yasuharu Takenashi. So this this
2: is the story of Fal Chavame. Yep. This was the first shamed arbiter. Yes. Yeah, and, it's, and, you know, before we dive into this one, this is the, the only one that really isn't the anime art style at all. They call it watercolor motif because it really does look like, you know, animated watercolor almost. But they, they talked about how there's these individual cells that filled up with the watercolor. It's interesting. And mm-hmm. then I know we kind of talked about sometimes, depending on the scene, things are muddy and it's hard to tell what's going on.
0: But I love it. I think it's really <laughs> cool. Um, I, I I think it's it's tough to have for this. It's it's very very much an artistic render, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's well done because it's very feudal Japan in, inspired, mm-hmm. um, especially with one of the saying he Lucy at the end, who's kind of like the main boss. He, he looks like a, a video game samurai with dreadlocks, almost. Or you could say a Shogun. You know, either either yeah, one you want yeah. to say. Yeah, Samurai with, same with uh, dreads or, or Shogun. So yeah, so we're starting with the current arbiter in this story, which is Fal Shavame, who refuses to accept the covenant religion, and, and you see him kind of talking with one of the prophets that's there, and pretty much denounces it.
2: Yeah, I, and that you know even before that, he's he's um, on a boat with another elite, and we we're automatically seeing like a lot of influence from Japanese culture in there and he basically quote unquote walks into a trap and just takes out a bunch of elites which it's interesting to see that they have all like steel or metal swords and he's the only one with uh the the energy sword really interesting to see but yeah and you know it eventually goes into him it keeps referencing back that he he is denying what the prophets are bringing because this was at the time where the the uh the covenant was still kind of being born and all these races were being brought in. So I thought that was really interesting. It was like that odd shift in culture at the time.
0: Yeah, so so this sequence can kind of be interpreted a couple ways. Kind of the way I'm seeing it cuz you see kind of an overlap with it is this is almost a dream sequence to a point where he has like this boatman who's kind of telling him like this is a trap that you're going into. And then we see the fight sequence. Mm-hmm. And then we get back to back uh, to
2: reality. Oh, he, there goes gravity.
0: Yeah. So we have May Char- <laughs> talk to Roe, who is kind of his like second in command. He's his friend and he's the one he first tells, like, you know, I'm 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 not for this.
1: Mm -hmm. Because
0: originally we see him training Sangheili and he's like, you need to fight for the covenant. Like, this is what we're fighting for. But then they have like this quiet moment up top. Mm -hmm. And so going back to that boat moment, you have all of these Sangheili who are attacking him is the exact same formation that we see the quote unquote present day Mm -hmm. Sangheili who are fully armored approaching
2: him and telling him that he has to go and, and deal mm-hmm. with this well it also like shows like he's talking to his wife at one point which um let me tell you right now this interpretation of female zangheely has been thrown out since this is 100 percent interpretation because she looks nothing like a regular elite she has hair and like an almost normal face yeah it's kind of like if you took you know a hergok or you know an engineer
0: and made it with an elite and she has kind of the that a bigger head of a hurricane, like a body of an elite
2: type deal. It was, it was good. And I guess at one point, when when a production IG made this, apparently they just had her look like a straight up human, and they were like, no, no, you gotta look like an alien. And, and, and
0: once again, Jesse and I enjoyed this, but we're definitely gonna point some of these weird <laughs> art styles out that came, um, especially when we get to Halsey, and we'll we'll come to that when we get to that. <laughs> so yeah, so, so he's, he's talking to his wife, and he's basically. You know, she's like, I'm with you this whole way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he, like, he's telling I, her to go, go set your sisters for a while or something. You know, like one of those things. Like. Yeah, and she's like, No, I'm your wife. I'm staying with you. Like we're gonna, mm-hmm. we're gonna work this together. You know, it's, it's kind of like, and what what I love is, is I think they talk about this a bit. We're gonna talk about when we get to it. They kind of
2: did make the elites, especially her, but the elites themselves a little bit more human. Well, yeah, because their mandibles almost never open up. They just have a regular jaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, it only happens like twice, I think,
1: Yeah, we was,
0: see. And I was kind of reading that because they wanted, obviously, because this is all very much inspired by feudal Japan, like the whole township, the hierarchy, the kind of like shogun that he fights at the end has like mm-hmm. huge kind of samurai armor on. And so it's it's still kind of showing. I think they're trying to show that parallel between humans. And the St. Mm-hmm. very similar. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what they do. So so anyway, he, he has all this stuff. He he goes out and it's told in batches, I guess is the way to kind of describe it. It's a back and forth, back and forth to present yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. And speaks out against the prophet and goes out and you see him kind of don his armor
1: mm-hmm.
2: and get basically into one of the coolest watercolor fight scenes in the entire world. Yeah, uh, that's one out of two. If I'm correct, watercolor fight scenes of all time. What, well, two and a half? You know, two and a half. I think mean, there's there's probably a half written one out there we haven't <laughs> seen yet. So, you know, we'll chalk it up to that. Well, yeah, because, you know, he denounces his faith to the prophet, this mm-hmm. unnamed prophet at the time. And so then he goes to fight basically an army in this desert. And at the same time, there's, you know, we, we talked about this, this shogun uh, bad guy, Haka. He, he's like, that's like nine or 10 foot elite in this, like, you know, shogun armor. He takes he takes the arbiter's best friend to go kill his wife Han mm-hmm. while the arbiter is battling. I mean, it shows hundreds of elites and hunters and jackals and grunts, and I mean, it is a cool scene that it's, goes it's, down.
0: It, it's it's really cool because it's one of those and we're gonna see one later that's like this that's super unrealistic within the Halo universe mm-hmm. of just kind of how things work. But I love at one point his energy sword kind of dies out like like it's it's depleted. Uh huh. Yeah, and he goes and just like. Chops another elite, takes his sword, kicks another one, and dual wielding at this point. And it shows that 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 zhing scene going <laughs> yeah. on. Yeah. Which is a cool scene. It's it's such a it's it's a thing that is not reality that I love. Th- this is one big difference you get between even just Western media and and specifically like anime or kind of Japanese specific media, is there's such a suspense of reality in that. Whereas with Western media, it has to be like Oh, that couldn't happen. Yeah. Be, even watching Marvel, people are like, no, that could never happen. Yeah. He,
2: he has to be stronger than that. Because we always have to find that line between, like, how realistic could it be? Yeah. If you turn on a Marvel movie or watch an anime, turn that switch off right now because none of it's realistic. No, and, and enjoy
0: enjoy the artistic aspect mm-hmm.
2: of it. So, off my soapbox, but
0: it, it's <laughs> such a great uh, move. And then you have the beautiful parallel where, unfortunately, Throw having to kill Han. You see him shaking. He's like he's like quivering, pretty much crying at this point. Roe is
2: is the arbiter's best friend. Yeah, exactly.
0: Roe is, is the arbiter's best friend, and Han is his wife. Yeah, and and so we see this 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 beautiful battle that we have the arbiter going through, tearing mm-hmm. through, going through, and then finally he faces like our gargantuan twenty five like foot hunter. Yeah, your twenty five like foot hunter just beastly thing. You seem like weaving his way through the swords while at the same time um, we have Haka come over. And kind of ate him, yeah. With killing uh, Han, yeah. And and as we had the arbiter get the killing blow on the hunter, unfortunately we don't see, like not unfortunately we don't see it. Fortunately we don't see it,
2: <laughs> but unfortunately we see the sword go down in that mm-hmm. other frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and after that battle, you know the Arbiter returns home and finds his his wife brutalized and dead. Mm-hmm. Both both his best friend and his wife. Oh, I didn't realize... I never so, saw so, that. So when he
0: first walks in, he's like... Because he sees Ro at first, and then he... In, like, I guess the the front room of their house? I I never noticed that. I only noticed it because I was like, why did he look at the same body twice? And then I pulled Uh, it back a little bit. I was like, oh, he saw his best friend
2: in, like, the front room. And then she was in, like, the bedroom where they killed her. Oh, so so homeboy got killed anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and, And this is, like, I think the second time ever... Because right before he he uh, kills that hunter, his mandibles come all the way open, and yes. you see four jaws. And then this happens again when he finds his wife dead. Mm-hmm. So then you know he puts he when he goes and finds his wife, he's in his regular attire, he, not his armor, which is definitely Japanese inspired. Yes, it's 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 very
0: much like a, I don't want to say a kimono, it's like kind of like put that out there but it's very much traditional Japanese dress Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what they wear whenever him and
2: his friend had the conversation and Mm -hmm. whenever they're just not in battle yeah and so first I I guess we're at some white platform and it's foggy and white and so it's
0: like your typical kind of Japanese or like anime one-on-one
2: battles Mm -hmm. yeah it's like you, the, the hero has now made it to fight yeah. the big one. So he dons his arbiter armor one last time. And by the way, during all of this, when he's fighting the prophet at the time, that's when he says, "Okay, the rank of arbiter is now a mark of shame." Mm-hmm. It's because you know at this time you were head honcho, you were you were top of the pack. Now you know you're you're at the bottom of the totem pole, and it's a mark of shame. So he goes and he faces Haka. One last time, they do the cliche, um, they hold their swords out at each other. Um, I'm kind of getting some, like, Tupac versus Biggie Smalls vibes from yes. this. Yes, yes, but... <laughs> that, that's the exact way I think of
0: every little anime charge battle, is Tupac-Biggie-Beef.
2: Yes. It's an interpretation of
0: that, okay? You know, yeah, because Biggie's over here, Tupac's like, man, you just, you trying to bring that West Coast with me? What are you doing? <laughs> but so they do the just the running one-swipe charge, and they both... Well, first, you start with the anime Blood Blow, which is kind of yes. like, so you see the Arbiter, out of his chest just comes that burst of blood, yeah, that yes. flowing blood, and kind of like, you you knew it was going to happen, but mm-hmm. you're like, oh, Arbiter's dead, like he lost. Yeah. Pans over, you see that the Arbiter still has his sword embedded in like, the stomach
2: uh, of Haka. Ahaka. Yeah, so then they fall over, he, you know, he, he some beautiful music plays, he thinks about his wife once more. And then he falls and he perishes. Mm-hmm. So that was the duel. And, I mean, definitely a sad story to see that, you know, this guy who questioned the covenant gets his wife killed, his best friend killed, and then he gets killed for
1: mm-hmm. it.
2: So as we said before, the animation style was called watercolor motif, and this was a brand new technique from this studio. I think in general, no one had really done this before. Yeah, there'd been, obviously there's, there's watercolor, but like, like actually applying
0: it. And and doing these animation cells mm-hmm. is pretty crazy because you do see, and I noticed this with some of the pans of like the larger building when him and Ro are talking outside, mm-hmm. you see some like little step glitches mm-hmm. of it like going up. But I I absolutely love that. Love or hate this animation style. I I completely understand why. There's no sharp lines mm-hmm. and it's all just kind of flighty there. But like I would hang one of these cells up my room. Yeah. I, I disliked it, but I can see why you like it. Yeah, I um, I, I just like I like when people try new things. Mm-hmm. Could this have been done in a... Uh, could it have been done better? Not necessarily not better. Could it have been
2: done differently to do a better point across? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a more easily digestible way to mm-hmm. watch this, but oh well. So this short was heavily inspired by the historical samurai Mayamoto Musashi, but Mamoru Oshi was actually working on on a piece about the samurai musashi at the same time he was working on the duel so there was like there was a lot of parallels between the truth and mm-hmm. what happened in that short it's kind of like when you you're doing the same project
0: at school for two classes <laughs> and you have to change it up a little <laughs> bit for either one uh, i've done you gotta gotta that do what you gotta do more than than plenty of times and one other thing i really enjoy is that yamazaki was one of the few directors who really emerged like, themselves into the Halo universe and lore, Mm -hmm. like, while accepting the job. So, like, really took it upon themselves to kind of, like, lay everything out, see what's going on. You know, really, especially doing a story that's, like, the back end of how we lost, like, the good hand of the Arbiter and how they become, Mm -hmm. like, banished, basically. Like, it's really interesting to see that.
2: Yeah. Well, it's because... Originally, the duel was just going to be the duel, Mm -hmm. but Yamazaki wanted that backstory, and and you need it because Mm -hmm. otherwise it's cool. Yeah, like now you feel
0: for the arbiter and be like, I I want him. Like you see that battle just tearing through. Like I want him to save his wife,
2: and when he does, Mm -hmm. you're like,
0: go kill him, go kill him, go get him, buddy, Mm -hmm. go get him.
2: Yeah. So you know, with that being said, now let's move on to homecoming. And this was made by B-Train and Production IG. The directors were Kochi Mashimo and Koji Sawe. So, yeah, this, this story tells about Daisy 023. So her and a few other Spartans have escaped from Reach, and they're going home. Mm-hmm. They They don't want to be part of this experiment anymore and so it seems like there's they're, sne- they're like what sleeping in the forest at one point like yeah they're refu- so, they're, they're they're like escaping and i believe what they said
0: i think this was was it 6 years after their kidnaps 6 wanna, or 6
2: or 7 years i want to say that it was before augmentation i want to say they were like yeah, they're supposed to be 11 or 12 or something, but yet they look like almost like adults in this short.
0: Yeah. And they did talk about some of the drugs and stuff they're taking. So I think they were doing
2: something, but not the full augmentation mm-hmm, process, yeah. I don't believe. Yeah. They, you know, at one point, Daisy said she was they, they were part of experience like, these experiments. Exactly. So, yeah, so it shows that, you know, it even shows, like, a little flashback of them escaping from the the facility on Reach, and we see Halsey. Mm -hmm. They definitely paint Halsey as a villain in this one because, you know, she's got, like, the glasses that show that glare constantly, so you never (laughs) see her eyes. She's
0: one of those hot villain girls who's just, like... Quote, unquote, older
2: in anime, but still looks like 25. Yeah. No one is over the age of 25 in this, by the way, female-wise, for sure. But, yeah, so they they start to make their way off the planet. But at the same time, you know, all of this is actually a flashback because it shows Daisy in the present as a full-fledged Spartan. Mm -hmm. And she's fighting... On this world, and I, I, if I'm correct, it's unnamed. But she's fighting on this world with a few Marines to get off of it. They're fighting the Covenant.
0: Yeah, because the 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 anime starts out with. Kind of this this covenant fire onto this suppressed group of Marines. Mm-hmm. They're blowing up, they're getting shot with one of the dudes got shot in the head with a needler. Yeah. And like all this crazy stuff. And then that's when we see Daisy first jump
2: in. And mm-hmm. she is just murkin' all over. She's like super it's just like almost like Spider-Man status of how she's like jumping around and yeah. everything. But yeah, so it, it's it's showing that she's trying to fight this this battle and the reason it goes to that flashback is because she gets on the com with someone and it's it's ralph mm-hmm. and it's it's one of the spartans that she escaped with at the time and that's what triggers the flashback and we start seeing all of this so and so we see and I, I think i just want to make a quick correction to this because i think we were kind of talking about back and forth. I believe it's right
0: after augmentation. Okay, okay. I think it's
2: like a little bit after because gives an excuse why they look older then.
0: Yeah, cuz I think they've already like grown, their bodies are bigger and we see them like take a doctor hostage to leave. Mm-hmm. And 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 all in all, so it was Daisy 023, Ralph 103, Joseph 122 and Oscar 129 and then another unnamed Spartan that was there and then uh, all four of them with their unnamed uh, leaf, And so this is where we start to get this flashback and flash forward mm-hmm. um, because
2: she talks to Ralph. Yeah. And so, you know, she she returns to her home planet of Sargasso mm-hmm. and she wants to go home because they talk about, you know, what what do you think our parents are going to do when they see us? And unfortunately, when she gets home, she finds that flash clone that replaced her, and it's actually in a wheelchair. Like her clone is, you can tell, not doing well. Mm-hmm. And and so it's you know as that's going on again, we have that battle going on where they're trying to get to a pelican where Ralph is, so they can all get off the planet. And this is where it, things come very interesting because when she's when she confronts her clone that's when halsey comes in in a uh, hornet for some reason halsey is driving this hornet i don't know why and, and no
0: one notices it that was my other thing like so her clone in the wheelchair is like um she's by like a greenhouse like dealing mm-hmm. with flowers first of all as all dying children do as they do daisy is what like 10 paces away from her yeah daisy too and nothing's ha- nothing, like no interaction then the hornet's just there <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, hey, you need to come back to the base. Yeah, and H- then, Halsey's just like, oh, that's your
2: clone. Yeah, and then, and then clone is still like, oh, that's a cool flower. It's <laughs> but, pretty neat. But yeah, all of a sudden, she, like, clone Daisy sees regular Daisy. Yeah. Pointing regular Daisy, yeah, points a gun at her. And then regular Daisy is just, or clone Daisy is like unfazed. Yeah. So she, regular Daisy decides, I'm going to go back to the facility. My parents never actually lost me. They have me here. But then. Well, to take that back a little bit with it. So so clone Daisy
0: comes in like and already had like the words to say which i thought was interesting that's like you know i want i know who you are pretty much like mm-hmm. she knows that she's a spartan or she knows that she's a soldier basically she has a gun she has kind of these clothing oh yeah yeah they, they and, do have that conversation yeah because we learned a little earlier whenever she was stolen as a child and this mm-hmm. is a little different like some of the other spartans that we see were kind of take at least that we've seen thus far in the halo universe like john was taken because he was offered like hey Flip this coin. Come with us. And yeah. then you had, I forget his name in Evolutions. Uh, Soren. Soren. He was. They pretty much actually had the opportunity, like, you can come with us if you want. But yeah. this, we see that the only officials, there's no Dr. Halsey who took her originally. The
2: only officials, like, grabbed her. And she yeah. lost her little bear on a keychain. Yeah. Oh, Halsey was in the, uh, in the uh, Hornet just watching. <laughs> yeah, she was in the Hornet <laughs> just like, hey, girl. Uh, so, so, so to bring
0: that back, that long, long, long-winded story... Daisy, too, has that same bear, and she says, I want to be as big and strong as you one day. Yeah, and I have I, dreams that I, I be, become like yeah, I, you. Yeah, exactly. I have these dreams of this. And and she's kind of like, I don't know why, but you need to have this. And it's the little bear on a keychain. So, obviously, they replaced everything that she had when they stole her and flashed mm-hmm. on her. So, this is now where you see present day, she has that bear on a keychain on her armor. Not much protection. I am going to say that right now. It's Doesn't ridiculous. do much for her but, armor. One thing I want to kind of make a parallel with is so Sargasso. So we see her going to her house and her parents seem to be well-to-do. They have like a house on an island that's connected by a bridge. uh, Frank O'Connor did say she comes, it's a rich family. Okay, so it's like a rich family. Uh, They got like a greenhouse on this this bridge on this island. There's pretty much, in my opinion, a direct parallel to present day with her where she has to then take these warthogs over this bridge to where the LZ is going to be to escape. Mm -hmm. And it's a skinny bridge. That's mm-hmm. on basically an island-looking area. Yeah, there's no water, but it's no, like this No, and there are destru- destroyed buildings on it.
1: Mm-hmm, so, yeah. so
0: that's kind of where I'm seeing that,
2: is this a tie-in? Because we'll see that they try and, ass- and assault this area. Mm-hmm, yeah, because because that's where the pelican is, so they can all leave. Because mm-hmm. she's on a warthog with a few uh, marines. The, the marines that, yeah. that, have, that have been surviving these battles that they've had and gone through mm-hmm. it. Yeah, so eventually, as they're making their way to the LZ... Uh, uh, some something, a uh, uh, Zangheely or uh Ungoy, throw a sticky grenade, but it bounces off of the hood of the car, or of the Warthog, but still explodes? So so what happens, I think... what? Okay, so what, what happens is he gets ready to
0: throw it. He then gets shot by the pelican, mm-hmm. and it's like a half-lob. It's kind of like when you shoot a grunt and the grenade goes right up in the air and down. Yeah. So it's like a half-lob, and it actually hit on the bridge.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think that's something else where that happened. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember. That, that,
0: that is
2: when we get to the project with the test armor. Okay, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so basically the warthog explodes and all the Marines and Daisy are thrown. And so as she's trying to provide cover fire for the Marines to get to the Pelican where Ralph is – she gets hit with some Needler rounds, and a few of them explode. Yeah, it's
0: BS. It's like two rounds. I know playing the game, it takes more to build up to an explosion.
2: <laughs> but alas. But yeah, so she gets hit with three total, two explode, and she pulls one out. Mm-hmm. And so she's still, she's like laying upside down almost, taking out the elite's. pistol, Yeah. And she's telling the Marines, get out of there. And they're trying to provide her cover fire. And by the end of it, they take a bunch of fuel rod cannons and they destroy the Pelican. Mm -hmm. And basically what happened is that whole thing that we just saw was all for nothing. Yeah. Because that's when right after that, that's when it flashes back to her clone explaining to her, like, I have these dreams about you where I grew up to be just like you Mm -hmm. have my bear that didn't do anything for protecting you against needle rounds
0: (laughs) have my bear that we kind of quickly wrote in that it fell in a fountain but let's cover up that plot
2: hole here's another (laughs) bear (laughs) so yeah so so you know she dies all of a sudden the scene moves on and we get master chief standing over her Uh, a a very oddly drawn i'm gonna say poorly Mm -hmm. i'm sorry it was a lot of this was really well done but the master chief in the BR it, he is holding—it's like a staple. Like you already have a go by to go for.
0: It's like a middle schooler drew this. Okay, I know it's—it's kind of like a DV. They picked a DV art artist <laughs> and was like, "Give me your best shot." But yeah, because I didn't know it was him at first. I was like, "It's green armor." He has like the you know the, the typical like yeah. armor that he has. But I'm like. He's kind of
2: weird looking. He kind of looks like, I don't know, he's a weird offshoot of
1: Master T. Yeah, he's the
2: clone. He's the yeah. Flash clone who's now
0: a Spartan <laughs> <Yeah>. as well.
2: <laughs> the deformed one, yeah. yeah. But so he 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 sees the bear next to Daisy, so he covers her eyes, and he folds her arm and puts the bear in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then moves on. That's the end of it, basically. And then we get one other uh,
0: little flashback after that. And it's kind of talking about how uh, we see Daisy does return. Obviously, she doesn't shoot her clone. She returns. and Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so does Ralph. Mm-hmm. And they don't they don't list Joseph
2: and Oscar, but they said that the other two, when they dealt with their clones, they killed themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say the music that ends here is the Spirit of Fire from Halo Wars. They do use a handful of Halo Wars mm-hmm. tracks in here. I think just that send-off is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I am going to say this. I could not find this anywhere, but I'm like 98% sure. If you've ever watched any of the Halo Waypoint lore videos, the guy who narrates that is the guy on the comms at the very end of this. I'm 98% sure. If you don't believe me, watch this and then go on YouTube and find a Halo Waypoint lore video. I'm pretty sure they used that same guy. Uh, Maybe I'm 97 percent sure. I don't know. But anyway, you know, that was Homecoming. So let's talk about just a few things, you know, about the production of this episode. Shinji Aramaki uh, got the inspiration for the story from The Fall of Reach, where Mm -hmm. he got a lot of his inspiration.
0: I think it's pretty much the inspiration for everything (laughs) in the Halo universe. Like (laughs) Eric Nyland Nyland wrote Halo. Yeah, essentially. Halo the compendium. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah so and then originally Daisy was actually going to be replaced with a dead clone mm-hmm. so she was supposed to be out with her father hunting and the uh, Oni agents were going to come and just throw a dead clone on the ground and the oh, father wow. was supposed to believe that he killed his own daughter but uh, Joseph Chow and Frank O'Connor after a while were like yeah we know Halo's dark but this is like dark 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 let's too, not do that too much yeah super dark
0: especially when you're not dealing with like to a, like swapping an adult, out. you're swapping a kid out, and like yeah. a dad kill his child, yeah, or and, at least believe he did, like. yeah. I, and I really enjoyed this one. I thought, you know, it's a lot. What I will say thus far, um, when we get into these, there's two motifs that pop up that I don't say bother me, but really stick out. One, there's Spartans always dying in these stories, mm-hmm. and two, this is the cliche of I didn't know she was a girl every. Single time, there's a female Spartan. Yeah, on the on screen because they have to take the, it's like she takes her helmet off and she's like talking on the com and it's like we thought you were just a dude. Spartan. Yeah, you see a guy like
1: oh, what? Yeah, she got and,
0: hair. And we're gonna say that one more time. And yeah, th- the next the next time is much more in your face about it. <laughs> it
2: absolutely is. Yeah. So now let's move on to and this one is my favorite mm-hmm. hands down the prototype. So the studio that produced this one was Bones, and the directors are Tomoki Koyota and Yashushi Miyaraki. So this one starts with this uh, leader named Ghost, and he's holding a, a dying marine. And I will say, the art style is very Ghost in the Shell as well. I love. I have no complaints about this one. Yeah, I'll say whatsoever. It, it's Ghost. With a ghost in the shell art style. Yeah. And so he's holding her and, you know, he, she's dying. She's mm-hmm. dying in front of him and you see a bunch of dead Marines around her. And, you know, he, she's, she's asking, you know, like, what, what did I mean to you? And, you know, he, he tries to calm her, but she just basically just tells him kind of like F off. She's like, listen, you're a, you're a crappy person. Well, because he basically, she's just like, what do you mean to me? He's like, uh, you're, you're a great soldier. Uh, you're going to survive this. And uh, good job. Yeah, and she just says, you're a ghost. Like, feelings pass through you. That's why you can send us all to our deaths and move on. And so she basically just says, you know, I just want you to be human. And I love that even though this isn't called, you know, it's called the prototype, the screen fades to black and you just see something say, text comes up and says, be human. Mm -hmm. And then it moves on to the prototype, you know, and it shows that. And now it's three years later. And now we're in the middle of a firefight. Yep. And you know it's a UNSC weapons research facility, and it's under attack by the Covenant. And now we have a group of Marines. And I love instantly. It's just showing Marines dying left and right from the Covenant. Yeah, because they're on. I think the plants alglos. Yeah, from like yeah.
0: that. And, and and this is where you're getting back to like you're talking about hitting the the uh, warthogs. Mm-hmm. You have these banshees. First of all, there's, there's a couple things I really love about the art style of this um, is the way they, they draw up the Covenant and just their decimation, they're doing this humans, like, mm-hmm. the Banshee fires, uh, what do you call uh, them? Uh, power, a fuel rod, plasma, plasma rod blast, cannon, whatever, yeah. Whatever the hell it's called. Whatever you change it for for each game. So it fires, like, fuel rod from it, and it hits, but then detonates, like, a second later. Yeah,
2: it'll hit and then explode. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll talk about, like, the, the overall, like, action style for this at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so we see some Marines, you know... Uh, talking and one says you know listen it's it's the cold protocol we have to get everyone back we have to destroy this facility and all information on it and then it moves on to different marines and one of them's a sniper and the other i think it's just has a br or something yeah. shooting and they start talking about you know they start talking about ghost and one guy was like we're screwed and the other guy says from the beginning we were screwed because ghost is our commanding officer here and you know apparently he hasn't done anything since Three years or maybe he just continually does it. But they he said, you know, on his last mission, he he sent his whole platoon in to die mm-hmm. and didn't flinch and just moved on from it. So that's when, you know, they become under attack. And all of a sudden this this giant explosion happens and they see like an oncoming army to them. So they, they basically do the whole cliche close their eyes like. We're done. Ugh. But mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, something comes from the the weapons research facility. Like something just flies out. And this is when we see the prototype. Yes, this is when we get the Gundam Halo crossover. Yes, but I, I mean, I love it because it's a perfect marriage of those two mm-hmm. things. If you took Master Chief's armor and a Gundam suit yeah. and put them together, it's a perfect pairing. And of course, I love that they when you see the prototype suit, they zoom in and you see the 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 glare from the visor change and
1: zing, yeah bit.
2: you gotta have those those anime you know staples oh yeah there. and so this is where we're all already seeing like a change of character because he says you know no one's dying today you and your men get out of here and that's when a commander comes on the on his comps and he's like what are you doing you need to destroy that suit you're disobeying orders and that's when you know go says no i've i've destroyed all the information the suit has a timer to when it's going to detonate, mm-hmm. so he says I'm going to hold off all this. Basically, a covenant army. Yeah, because because this is his like redemption arc. Mm-hmm. So you know everyone's kind of bad
0: talking. with two squads of two like pairs of marines we saw. They were kind of mm-hmm. bad talking to them, and he's he's like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I I have I've already done the call protocol. You need to get down here and save these guys. Like I need to make sure that LZ stays open for everyone to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And, and it ensues like one of the really coolest kind of battles you
2: see in halo yeah because, as far as like suit wise yeah because he just it just shows him mowing through these elites and and th- this covenant he's taking out phantoms he's taking out rates at one point he chops an elite in half <laughs> yeah because like, how that's them. done is so beautifully done like, yeah but it's just it's this long battle scene of him just just messing everyone up until finally he does start to get overwhelmed and is this where we see the sticky bounce off of his suit and then explode, if I'm correct? Yeah. So, yeah. so he, he kind of like sw- turns and like gets swiped at it. Like it, like,
0: it does one of those things where. Kind of like you've seen, like, either games or anime where
2: it's like a concussion thing. Like, it hits and almost implodes. Yeah. And then after that happens, we see that he loses his arm. Mm -hmm. So he goes flying. Blood spurting. Yeah. And and by the way, this is like a five-minute sequence of fighting that, again, we recommend you watch it. You can even probably just find this one on YouTube because it's my favorite one. It's done so beautifully well. But, you know, then we see that he's basically dying at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got it shows his face. He's got blood coming down on it. He lost an arm. And so that's when we actually, you know, he flashes back just a little bit and he kind of has this inner monologue. And it actually shows him breaking when that marine that he was talking to at the very beginning dies. It shows him like freaking out Mm -hmm. over her death. And that's when he says, "Okay, from here on out. I really don't care about these people anymore. And it's almost like a cliche monologue going on, but I still appreciate it. So, you know, clearly this man is dying. And so all he has to do is is say this phrase and the suit explodes. And so I think this is where you can interpret that he's he's dying and going kind of crazy because the phrase to detonate the suit is be human. And so he says, you know, for one last moment, I was human he says that and it detonates mm-hmm. and it ta- you know he takes out the suit all the covenant around and that's the end of ghost and so then it it goes the literal end of ghost the, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah not 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 the prototype or anything like that itself but then you know uh we see that there's this commanding officer oh, we hear him over a comm and it was the
0: same one who was telling ghosts like no you need to blow that stuff up like mm-hmm. you need to detonate it and get
2: out of there mm-hmm. yeah and he says you know he originally Requested a court martial for Ghost, mm-hmm. but he says that he demonstrated, you know, the you know great acts of valor not only as a soldier but as a human. And then they declare him MIA, which I think is so cool because only Spartans can be mm-hmm. declared that, even no matter what happens to them. And so then they say, now we're gonna go head out to the uh, UNSC Heart of Midlothian, and then you're just like, no, blinking, <laughs> you know evolutions with legends, mm-hmm. but. You know, that is my favorite one, hands down. The The animation style is great. The story is great. I can't recommend this one enough. Now, Bones was allowed to come up with the story of the prototype themselves. They came up with this whole story. Yeah, because there's nothing really there for, you know, like, they're yeah. like all right, do something about a Mark One suit. a prototype. <laughs> Best of luck. Well, uh, uh, Shinji Aramaki actually came up with the design of the prototype suit himself getting inspiration from the mecha suits from the fall of reach mm-hmm. so when he was meeting up with Yashushi uh, Maraki about the short he actually drew the design on the spot and so the guy was like that's it and he's like no no, no I can do a different one and they're like no 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 perfect that's it which we talked about he, he sketched a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. he literally was just talking and he just sketched it out and there's like sweet Yashushi Maraki knew that uh, though Master Chief was the ultimate hero of Halo, he did want to show this side of the war where it was just like a regular human winning even a small firefight.
0: Which, once again, in my
2: opinion, are some of the best stories in the Halo universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so Bones, the studio, didn't really want there to be any dialogue at first, which defeats the purpose of this. I think they just wanted the action, Mm -hmm. essentially, and they wanted a few lines. So uh, something that I think kind of really speaks to this is that there was only time to show one episode to the Japanese press and they showed Mm -hmm. this one, which I think was ideal. I think perfect. So when it came to uh, Yoshushi Muraki and his art style, Frank O'Connor had this to say about it. Meraki has created an anime subgenre called Meraki Circus, which features a lot of flying, mecha-fighting weapons, explosions, dogfighting, and that all fit perfectly with the creation of a Halo prototype weapon. That describes perfectly the prototype.
0: Yeah, so Frank O'Connor went, hey, so Meraki discovered this thing, Gundam. He made it himself. He did not pull inspiration from anything else. It's his circus. He did it. No, it, it is. It's obviously drawn from various other things. Like, there's plenty, plenty of inspiration you can draw from different mecha stuff. And I love that they chose uh, those, those obviously, Mark I mech suits that mm-hmm. the Spartans have to kind of work around and disable within the fall of Reach. Mm-hmm. And I love that they took that idea. And it's really what you think of. Clunky, very much um, almost like, is it Predator? Or is it Aliens? It's Aliens. Where you have her in the mech suit? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. That's kind of what I picture with it as well.
2: hmm yeah. Again, that's my favorite one. I recommend it to any and all. So now let's move on to The Babysitter. hmm And Babysitter was done by Studio 4C, and the director was Tashiyuka Kano. So so this is the one. The the one that we've referenced a few times. It's a good overall story. It's a good overall story. I, overall I, story. I enjoyed this one. I, I had fun with
0: it. Because um, it starts out... You are on basically like a UNSC frigate, mm-hmm. and you're in a mess hall, and you have uh. these two... I, I love... Because this kind of goes to TV shows. When it's a show about cops, detectives suck. And when it's a mm-hmm. show about detectives, the cops are dumb. Yeah. This is a, uh, an episode about ODST. Mm-hmm. So the Marines, the regular... Class old kind of marines are dumb as hell.
2: Uh yeah. They kind of make them these bumbling idiots. Yeah, they're like, oh, those are ODSTs, we can't talk to them. He's like, I just want to talk to I them. I don't want to yeah. talk to those <laughs> and, guys. And he's like, no burger. The guy's name is
0: Burger. Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. And and so we, we, we <laughs> cut over to this table uh where we have uh four ODST, mm-hmm. some orbital drop shock troopers, and we know one of them. We know Dutch. Yep, Dutch. Uh, yeah. So so we are big boy over there. And then we have anime boy knockoff. <laughs> um, who is is, it, is O'Brien. I don't know why he's O'Brien. Sure, there's plenty of Irish people um, <laughs> that look like that. Who we talk, They talk about a little bit. He's a sniper. Yep. He's, like, he's like, I'm best in class.
2: And yeah. he kind of brings up, that he's like, we're going on this mission where I'm second- like, yeah, well, Well. originally he says, he says, I don't know why I need a babysitter. I don't know why I need a, a backup. Mm-hmm. And we also have Checkman there, too, who literally has no lines in this. No. But then this is where Cortez walks up and says, hey, to break it to you, but you're the backup. And he's already mad. Like, I'm not even the original sniper. And then he goes, the original sniper is going to be a Spartan. And that's Mm -hmm. when they're kind of like, uh-oh. Which I'm going to say this right now. The guy who voices the the American voice actor for Cortez, he kind of sounds like the the American voice actor sounds like Buck. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of thought that they were going to show us a young Buck. But they did my <laughs> little young bug. <laughs> but I was kind of disappointed with that. But either way, Cortez is a cool character. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So then they go to a debriefing where they meet Spartan Cal. Yep. And so one four one. One four one. And I, I like that this is that first gen Mjolnir armor. And so they get a debrief. They say, Listen, you're gonna ride in with this asteroid uh or belt. This, yeah, asteroid belt and this this comet. Storm going on on the planet, which is regular. And they say, You're going to need to assassinate this prophet mm-hmm. because, for some reason, if you take out this one guy, it's going to stop this tr- covenant it's, trade. Yeah,
0: it's not this like trade link because they were they were in this briefing room and there was like a. First of all, I thought of this when I was doing I'm like, Man, there's got to be some like tech and art people that have to put these PowerPoints together really quick because there was like animated arrows and all this great stuff. I'm like, Man, you don't have much time to do this. Put <laughs> <Good> on <laughs> yeah. you. But yeah, so it's, it's showing like. Like, that planet was in the middle, Mm -hmm. and there was, like, arrows going to, like, 15 other, like, I guess, covenant-held planets. Mm -hmm. And then if that prophet died, for some reason,
2: the trade routes would be destroyed. This is why you always have a backup. Either you're ready to hire this guy, or you train someone who works under that prophet who can take over. Yeah. Bad managing style, the covenant. Terrible chain of command. Yeah, so they they need to take this guy out. So they they come into the atmosphere— uh on on their ODST drop pods Checkman dies yeah and for some reason Checkman dies uh, cuz he he hits a rock and then it's another rock, and then his entry points like sideways.
0: He dies. He dies up in the atmosphere.
2: Everyone else lands except for O'Brien, who lands in like this quicksand, like swamp, a murky swamp everywhere. Yeah. yeah, and so at that point, we have uh, Cortez and Dutch try to go in and rescue him, but they're like, we need to get some medkit because he's sinking and his oxygen tank was conveniently punctured, so all the air is coming out. Mm-hmm. And so that's when you know our our Spartan cow just casually walks into the swamp. Picks up the whole drop pod and just throws it. And pretty weird art style of choice for this I saw. Whenever
0: you see, like, Cal flex their biceps. it like It's like. Yeah, it's very <laughs> it much just, up. like, super jacked. And is like. And just, like, launches the pod,
2: like, what would you say, like, 50 feet away? Something like that. But I think Frank O'Connor was like well, Spartans can flip warthogs and tanks. And I'm like, all right, all right I'm all not all right. I'm not denying it. I'm just saying it was a weird choice to do it like that. <laughs> Instead of dragging it out, it's just like... Yeah. Whoosh. So, yeah, so this marks, you know, uh, the whole entire time O'Brien has this huge animosity towards Cal mm-hmm. because of the fact that Cal is the primary sniper. So already we're seeing Cal just saved O'Brien. Yeah, And O'Brien's like a kind of a short, snarky, loudmouth guy. I can relate. Well, o- O'Brien is playing... Every
0: intro anime character you either have in an anime-style game like like the Tales series, or or a hothead like Edward or Ed from Full Metal Alchemist, mm-hmm. who's like. Short, and they always make fun of that. And he's like still learning his powers. He started off, he's learning more things. I can relate as a short
2: man learning his yeah, powers, and, and, this, and this is very much O'Brien in this. <laughs> yeah, so, so instantly already, you know, saves his butt. So they start to move their way towards where the prophet will be, and it's mm-hmm. like an all day hike and so i I love at one point O'Brien says, like you know, we need to get to this point, O'Brien's like, that's a long ass march, and Dutch goes, Well, we better start marching then yeah. like just straight to the point so so they find themselves in this it's like an ancient city, and this is where we start to learn that you know this isn't covenant, this isn't human. What is this? So it's a different interpretation of like old Forerunner City, but even then I think it may not be Forerunner. Mm-hmm. I think it might be precursor because they walk up these steps that they have to climb up. So I-, I know that they planted a lot of seeds for what would come within the Forerunner trilogy within some of these. Yeah. So yeah, so so they they come up to the this You know, old ancient area where the Covenant are hanging out. And so they slowly start to sneak up and stab all the grunts and take them out. And eventually, as, you know, O'Brien's already screwed up once coming into atmosphere, he goes to kill a grunt, steps on a twig. Yep. Always. Always steps on a twig. Always. Twigs are around. They're always around. And so the grunt notices him. And then a brute chieftain notices him as well and goes to make his way towards him. And as it swings its axe, we see that Cal, which is apparently the strongest Spartan ever, catches the axe. Or not the axe, the hammer. Yeah, because he sneaks up behind him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and goes to swing it. And so then we see this this fist fight break out between Cal and this brute chieftain. And at one point, Cal... Punches out the chieftain's eye. Mm-hmm. It like, uh, breaks, breaks, like, his, his helmet and everything, like, yeah. into the eyes, like, a bloody red yeah. eye. And, and as this all happened, O'Brien got thrown away, and he's dangling off this, this waterfall, getting ready to fall in. So eventually Cal does kick the... Cal does eventually kick the brute down the waterfall, and you see, like, yeah. kind of a cliche thing. And then Cal picks up O'Brien, like, carries O'Brien like a baby almost. Mm-hmm. And O'Brien's ticked, because, like, Dutch points out, like, Twice now, Cal has saved you. Mm -hmm. Like, so you you should probably start being nicer to this Spartan.
0: Yeah, and and this is where O'Brien's like, I don't need it. Like, I don't need a babysitter, once again. Like, Uh, I I'm not I'm not hurt. I'm not injured. I I wonder what this is called. Yeah, Hmm. I'm not hurt. (laughs) Yeah. And and so they continue on and they they make their way into I guess the top of a ruins you would call it. Yeah. It's it's very reminiscent of some Halo levels, kind of like with that ancient ruins look to it. And you see. Uh, cal
2: starts to set up the sniper mm-hmm. puts it down sets it up and o'brien still plugs has... plugs the sniper into the helmet i love that because they talk about that sometime in the books yeah but you never see that yeah so plugs
0: it in and then you get not the scope point of view but pretty much kind of that millionaire armor point of view so it's a much mm-hmm. wider point of view zoomed in over this almost very primal ceremony there's torches mm-hmm. there's elites all set
2: up in kind of ceremonial armor and they're like, the drop will be here in, I think it was two or three minutes, yeah, something and, like that. And you see, like, the honor guards are very reminiscent of, like, samurai armor mm-hmm. and whatnot. So,
0: so, so they, they bring it back, and they're talking about, okay, we need to take this shot. We've got this time. As this is happening, we then see this predator vision mm-hmm. behind them, and they're all facing towards there. And as they continue to look, that predator vision starts to snarl and starts to chase towards them, and it cuts. And as you see it cut, it's the hammer... Trying to come right back down on top of O'Brien.
2: Yep, and that's when Cal notices <clears throat> and pushes Brian out of the way just in time to get hit in the face mm-hmm. with that hammer. And I love the details that when Cal falls over, Cal's like twitching. Because like a, a headshot like that, it's just going to fry your brain and your spine. And that's when the three ODST tackle the, the chieftain. And Dutch I, it's Dutch sticks that uh that silence SMG in its eye socket and just blows its head out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so at that point, how about you describe the 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 event that happens now with you know we discover who Cal really is. Alright, so, so anyway, brute's dead. This <laughs> is where you get the part
0: where like it's every twist ever in anime so they they get over to Cal and obviously it's Cal there's there's not really a gender to that name pulls off the helmet and it is a woman with flowing beautiful white locks not UNSC regulation no. may I add ridiculous <laughs> How do you get that under that helmet? <laughs> now, so they, they pull it off. It's kind of the the, the reveal of the princess type thing. Yeah, and O'Brien and everyone's standing around shocked that it's a woman to begin with,
1: <laughs> and
0: and so they're kind of like, oh no no, you're gonna make it, you're gonna make it. And this is where, you know, she she talks. She hasn't talked
2: yet. Mm-hmm, yeah yeah. Cal has always been the silent protagonist. Yeah, she's
0: she's been chief but interesting, and <laughs> <laughs> and so. So she, she says, "O'Brien, oh, you have to make the shot. You're the only mm-hmm. one who can make this shot. And you see he gets that anime boy confidence, and he goes from, like, baby eye to, like, angry eye. <laughs> I love your <laughs> face right there. And and he goes over to the sniper rifle, starts to mess with the scope. And I, that's why I brought up the, the HUD differently. It is a little different. And I, I really appreciate that artistic style of mm-hmm. us seeing kind of the whole visor zoom in view uh-huh. as opposed to him looking through the scope. Yep. And you see him dial in. You see the prophet in his stupid floaty chair, going <laughs> down his lazy ass, his stupid Wally chair riding dude. Yeah, going down and lines up the shot. And as he's there, I think it's two other armor guards who like guided yeah, him.
2: Yeah, gets shot in the head. Yep, takes him out, and he's says, like, oh, yeah. He, he, and then of, he, of course, it's, everyone just fr- all the covenant just look around and start screaming and freaking out.
1: Yeah, and,
0: and
2: I I saw that too, and I was kind of thinking like. In my head, I would probably do what they did. Check
0: the roof's right there. You're probably trying to see if anyone's close. You kind of see them looking up and around and Uh not... Because they had to be, what, like a mile away They said they were two miles away. Two miles, okay. I believe
2: they were two miles
0: away. Yeah, I knew they had to be something. And, you know, obviously showed that skilled shot. And and they they then go back to Cal. They're like, oh, we did it. They Mm -hmm. go back to Cal and, you know, this is... I'm not going to make
2: it well during this whole mission she was taking almost like photos of all these ancient ruins mm-hmm. to give back to Halsey and that's when she's like oh Brian give this to him and they're like no 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 you're going to make it yeah and then she she dies
0: yeah and and so then uh, we, we end back on that same ship room before in that mess mm-hmm. hall. And we see burger. And we again. have ha- we have we have hamburger or the hamburger. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: come over because obviously there's only three spots at that odst table right now. Mm-hmm. And he sits down and he brings some fat red apples to him. What a gift! Yeah, he's like he's like oh you guys did so well on that mission and he's like hand out these apples. And as he's doing so, you know he has an apple for himself. He starts chomping on it. He's like you know I heard that, that that Spartan went down like a bag of rocks basically. He, he
2: says uh he says uh, like uh, quicker than a, a new recruit on, on their first day. Or that's something. right. Yeah. And it's kind of like digging into it. And then uh, O'Brien from the side just chucks his apple at they him. They all chuck their apples yeah. at him. As if they couldn't just like break this man in two. And he's all kind of confused. Like, oh, like, what's your problem? And then it goes to to O'Brien looking out. And we see this montage of his moments of him and Cal. And then finally the reveal of her as a woman. Because for some reason, now that he finds her hot, he yes. likes her. Yes, As compared to if it was just some dude, it didn't matter.
0: Yeah. and And... Once again, that's the only thing I think we talked about this before that kind of muddles this story a little bit, yeah, it's the same way that it did earlier but but overall uh, very, very good, and what this is kind of what I was talking about before that idea of legends mm-hmm. of this is now told through those o d s t s eyes mm-hmm, yeah and they were the ones that had to give like the recap report, and it's kind of all just brought down as to this happened somewhere
2: within this war mm-hmm. yeah that's why a lot of these like uh dates and locations are unknown because mm-hmm. they're just stories so yeah so so that was the babysitter so when it came to inspiration for this whole thing Toshiyuki Kano said that his biggest inspiration was from ancient forerunner um ruins mm-hmm. so additionally him and Aiko Tanaka actually rewrote the script that Frank O'Connor had given them for the episode just because you know they felt like their script would fit their an- their animation style, and you know, yeah. they, s- they sent it off to Microsoft, and they got the approval for yeah. that. Makes sense. So even though that uh, Kano isn't that good at video games, his staff spent many hours playing the games and watching the cutscenes to capture the core of Halo in the babysitter. And we talked about the even with the different visors and whatnot. I think they did that pretty well. I think it w- it was expertly done because that's almost
0: a cutscene you could see. Even something like with Cat, like it's that's kind of almost that same thing as like you know mm-hmm. losing cow is like almost the same way you felt like losing cat like it was just mm-hmm. like so instantaneous there's nothing you
2: can do yeah and then you know finally the babysitter was the first short to ever premiere for legends like this was this was the first thing we got and i'd say definitely yeah don't give us your strongest but don't give us your weakest mm-hmm. like i think that was a good plan and i think especially for an
0: american audience that understands spartans and stuff like that that mm-hmm. makes sense whereas with the prototype that might even make a little bit more sense for the Japanese press, mm-hmm. like it being a Gundam-esque thing, mm-hmm. not necessarily having a Spartan that many might not know about or understand kind of the lore behind it. Mm-hmm. So I thought that both options were really good in this aspect. Yeah. So now
2: we have... Uh, my, odd, odd one out. My favorite one. Odd one out. So the studio was Toy Animation, and the director was Tasuki Nishio, and the writer was also Tasuki Nishio, which... It starts with our boy Spartan 1337, who falls out of a pelican onto the surface of a planet, which Alex had to point this out to me because I'm an idiot. It's Leet. I yeah. didn't know that. He's been like, yeah, Spartan 1337. I was like, why don't you say Spartan Leet? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, what you that's why I saw when I originally it. first saw this. Yeah, so then we see it's Master Chief and Cortana, which... Talking still on the Pelican, still on the Pelican. Talking to, I, I believe it's Jacob Keys. They're like, "Oh, he falls out of Pelicans all, all the, the time." time. <laughs> Let me clarify before we go any further that this is the only one that's non-canonical. Because I remember when I first watched this, I think I was seventeen or eighteen. I was like, "What is going on? Why? How is any of this real?" And then I, I would watch I, an entire series of this. <laughs> but yeah, so so this is. Non-canonical. So our our boy leet Spartan one three three seven finds himself on the surface of this planet, and he's surrounded by these little children dressed up as cavemen. Yeah, and to give you an idea on the art style and the way
0: that Spartan leet which is we're referring to that, um carries himself, is that very comedic slapstick. And I don't want to keep saying anime style. It's not really style. It's just a, uh, different it's, ways shows do it. It's more the genre. Yeah, it's more the genre of it. Um, it's it's very very light, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't take itself
2: seriously. Let me let me say this right now before we go any further. This is a Dragon Ball Z filler episode. No, this is this is the best
0: episode in the entire series.
2: I'm saying if if I had to compare this because it was it was uh, we'll talk about it. Two guys that worked on Dragon Ball Z. Did this or the Dragon Ball yes. franchise? That's what I. This reminds me of is a Dragon Ball Z filler episode, where it's like one small little event that just happens, mm-hmm. and it's more of on the funnier side. And that's the way of the Spartan Lee. Spartan Lee is the
0: com- the comic relief in this entire episode, Mm -hmm. and you already can tell from the way he splats is that very, like, splayed limb Mm -hmm. splat of, like, funny characters, Mm -hmm. and he gets up, and they're like, who's this robot? And, like, he, like, dusts himself off, Uh flying off, and he's like, I am Spartan 1337, and he's like, I'm the best in the universe. And as he says that, uh, a T-Rex
2: is in this short And chomps down on Dragon Ball Z, I'm telling you. But yeah, like apparently it's like their pet because then like they throw like a toy. There's a stick. Yeah, it spits it I love, though, that it like I think at one point it like hands the kids the stick after it spits it out. Like so so it's it's already kind of like comedic and interesting. Mm -hmm. But then we go to High Charity where we see the Prophet of Truth has their own version of a Spartan with a brute. And so... It's the bane of brutes. Yeah, it, it's called Pluton. Mm-hmm. And so they send Pluton off to go fight this Spartan for some reason. They're like, oh, this Spartan's on a planet. Go fight him. And and it's almost like he goes... Pluton runs towards the tr- prophet of truth. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 go that way. And then just goes. And hey, that's a major plot point too. It's going to come <laughs> up. I'm, I'm going to let you it know. Is, it is. But then he transforms... Pluton transforms into... One of those things that the Saiyans transport in those little orbs, and then goes to this planet. He doesn't, trans- he doesn't transform into it. He tr- he travels in it. I thought he transformed into it. That's why he has the disc on his head. No, I could have swore he did. He's in a ship, and, and well, regardless, he's in this thing that they pulled from Dragon Ball Z, and he crashes on the planet, and so that's when all of a sudden this this fight ensues between Leet and Pluton, mm-hmm. and it's it's definitely very Dragon Ball Z esque. Oh, it's a hundred percent. So with Pluton, with his bane chemicals
0: kind of running through him, mm-hmm. he has obviously super strength, mm-hmm. but he has like the ability to like
2: charge up in like a lightning attack yeah, and just yeah, yeah.
0: decimate. Basically, become a
2: bomb. Yeah, and he can shoot lasers out of his mouth, which we do see from the Starry Night trailer, and, and uh, a little nod to that because Leet throws down that that uh, energy. Uh, Barrier, yeah, barrier, and does that almost like it was from that. Um, And that is the one thing I I will say about this. I love the way they treat
0: equipment in this. Mm -hmm. And that it's not, because in Halo it's just you pick something up and you go, put your hand down. Oh, it's a bubble shield. Put your hand down. Oh, it's armor lock. With this, it's actually like a physical... Almost grenades like rip open and slam down and mm-hmm. it, like produces it. I thought that yeah. was really neat.
2: Yeah. So so eventually or eventually this this fight's... or eventually you know <laughs> if you have it on the side. So eventually we see the the three kids that are dressed as cavemen hiding in this cave mm-hmm. and the 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 older siblings what they're called older brother and older sister randomly show up out of nowhere yes. and are just like. We'll go fight this thing. So then Leet teams up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You forgot about a
0: big piece. What did I forget? They're not actually cave kids. Well, they do live in a cave. But they're
2: dressing up. Oh, yeah. They're, they're so playing it's not, cavemen. It's not prehistoric. Yeah. It's like... They're, they're playing cavemen. Yeah, so they have a T-Rex. Yeah. Uh, whatever. So they, they it. go. It starts raining, and then it stops raining. And then the the older brother and sister and Spartan Leet team up, and they fight this Pluton. Uh, Pluton together. And, you know, we th- this action sequence was cool. H- it was really cool. It was really cool. It and, was cool. And, and they had brought
0: up before that mother had helped raise them. Yeah. They talk about mother. Talk about mother a lot. And they're like, mother's
2: down that way. Mother helped us with this and mother will take care of us. Yeah. And and at one point, uh, Leet did notice an old UNSC frigate. Yes. but so, so as they're fighting, they keep, you know, they keep trying to prevent uh, Pluton from charging up. You know, charging up his lasers, Ha-ha. Um, and so <laughs> firing my lasers, and so eventually, uh, Spartan Lee goes, "What's that over there?" <laughs> and then, of course, Pluton just turns around to try to find what that was See? over there foreshadowing and so then all of a sudden they decide to just run away after you know because well, the, they're like we're not gonna win well because yeah because he was out of ammo pretty much and they were out of He there. threw his gun he wasn't out of ammo remember he throws his gun to go fight him like a man yeah, like an a, idiot he's out of
0: ammo <laughs> okay you're right exactly he spent his clip by throwing it away <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah and, and so the wonder twins and him they try and get out of there because this explosion's coming mm-hmm. and the kids are thinking on the t-rex yeah, and they're, they're trying to
2: get out of there, and that's when that's when uh, we finally meet Mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, she the the UNSC frigate activates and and blasts, blasts rainbows. Yeah, yeah, and blasts a rainbow at Pluton, and it, he just he's just thrown out of because yeah, because the, the rainbow itself is slip space, mm-hmm. so it's
0: it's, yeah. it's it's rupturing slip space, and then as he. Why is he
2: up in the air again? I I don't know, man. Anyway, I, he, he jumps
0: up in there, I think. He jumps up for some reason. Or I don't know. But they fire a Mac round, and that Mac round hits him and then launches him out uh-huh. into and, his slip
2: spacey Yeah. And, and as this happens, Cortana notices that there's another AI on the planet, and mm-hmm. that's when, after this is all done, she tells Chief, like, there's another AI there, and she's like, should we go get her? And she's like, no. She seems happy and that's when we realize that this ai has raised the older brother and sister and the cave the quote-unquote mm-hmm. cavemen children and so i i don't know how the hell that happened but whatever i love it um well and we and we
0: hear her talk later so we see this house in the hills and like a, a very motherly voice is kind of telling them that dinner's ready mm-hmm. and the one kid that made the funny comment that she was hungry earlier and that makes the same comment
2: that she's hungry earlier it's Great, I love it. <laughs> no, it's, uh, yep, yeah, and, and then of course, you know, it's Spartan Elite is getting ready to get picked up or go to the Cell Z, but then a giant pterodactyl comes and swoops down. And yep. He's like, I'm actually gonna be well, yeah, it's great. So, dude, um, this is my favorite one of all of them. I this is my <laughs> least a hundred percent. I think it was too silly for me. I think it was too silly, it was fantastic,
0: but. To jump into some trivia for you, with Daisuke Nishio didn't want to join the project at first because he's against the idea of war. And mm, that's Halo. Yeah, that's <laughs> Halo. Halo's, it's eh, killing and murder. <laughs> uh, and this was the first time that he and character designer Katsuyoshi Nakasuru have worked together since the Dragon Ball Z series.
2: So yeah, it's clearly oh, Dragon they, Ball.
0: Sorry, the Dragon Ball series. I,
2: I think they might. I think they they did almost do a lot of Dragon Ball. Maybe some Dragon Ball Z stuff. But I mean, they clearly picked up where they left yeah. off. That's why I, I reference it and so I, much. And like, I'll just I'll just say this. I would say this is probably
0: their best work. I, I love Dragon Ball though, and hmm. Dragon Ball Z. Go,
2: go ahead and at me. It's terrible. Uh if I said it was terrible, you'd say you love it. No, there's a kid with a tail. I don't want that. That That is such a bad reason to dislike anything ever. I don't want kids with tails. Unless it's the movie Cats. Other than that, you have no merit behind that argument. Anyway, they made a show about a kid with a tail. <laughs> <laughs> Some original concepts for this
0: episode were going to be a day in the life of Master Chief, showering, eating, etc., but he would never have taken his helmet off. Yeah. Uh, I... I would like that as like some goofy fan made cartoon thing, like, yeah. just like some
2: goofy spoof stuff. I, I do like that though because they they were going to show him just showering with <laughs> with this helmet trying yeah. to eat, but he suds on it. He he can't he can't actually eat anything with the helmet. I thought that was, like he sleeps with the helmet. Oh, it'd be like, great. That would have been hilarious.
0: I loved it. And so, Toy Animation has a track record of not being able to deliver their project on time. You know, like another studio that's not existing anymore. <laughs> But they were actually the first studio to finish their short for Legends. And here we go. How about this? After seeing Odd One Out, Eric Nylon Papa Halo (laughs) would state that he would love to see more comedy in the Halo universe. I
2: kind of regret putting that in the notes.
0: Oh, Um, oh, Papa Halo said, (laughs) oh, this porridge is just right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. It is. It is a nice change of pace. Uh, Here's the thing. I, I, I love dumb stuff. And this is such a dumb thing to include that I really enjoy that they didn't take themselves serious with it and that mm-hmm. it can show that it that even like 343 or even just O'Connor was like oh I'm fine with that let's make it goofy let's make it mm-hmm. spoofy let's bring some goofy life spoofy yeah let's make let's bring some life into this that isn't spartan's dying mm-hmm. or the world blowing up and ending cuz i mm-hmm. know that's obviously a, a very integral part yeah but like to show a lightheartedness
2: is fantastic yeah and I want to say, Pluton looks like, in the second part of the Digimon movie, looks like the the bad infected Digimon from the virus. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 are, do you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. It, it looks just like that. Um, I went down a weird Digimon rabbit hole when researching for this episode. But finally, we have the package. So the studio is Casio Entertainment, mm-hmm. and the director is Shinji Aramaki, Who pretty much did most of these. Yeah, he definitely, he was a creative director, had a hand in basically all of this, mm-hmm. which I think was a good decision, especially when 343 was like, we want to do this. And he's like, we should do this. And yes. then it kind of like happened perfectly yeah. at the same time. So, yeah, we're, we're on board this. You know, it starts with we're on this Oni Prowler and we have a team of Spartans. So we have John 117, Fred one oh four, Kelly O eighty seven, Solomon O sixty nine, and Arthur O seven nine. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think Solomon and Arthur are new. Yes. If I'm correct. I don't think we've ever heard from them before. Well, I mean, one of them well, both of
0: them obviously doesn't matter,
2: but. <laughs> but so you know, we learned that they they have this mission that they they need to go on because the covenant have this package that mm-hmm. they need to get, and this isn't by the way, this isn't a traditional cartoon anime style. This is a like computer animation. Yes, yeah, so, so this is want to point that out.
0: Yeah, this is less of cells and kind of making your own.
2: Uh, animation with it it's computer generated Mm -hmm. it's very much Mm -hmm. that cg fluid movement stuff Mm -hmm. yeah and so they learn they need to go and get whatever this is Mm -hmm. and so they get on these these um booster frames that's what they're called yeah they're they're pretty much x-wings if you wrote on the outside of them yeah which frank o'connor did state that you know if you want to get behind the scene lore stuff these things were specifically created for this mission which makes sense because they're not that big so like what can we put together with junk around the lab also a great way of
0: uh this is in the lore but just for this and there was only five created and that's (laughs) it these were a little silly yeah I, I these were a little silly because that was that was my thing going into this like watching this for the first time was I really want to talk to you especially like what is truly canonical what is kind of like okay it was there for that and what's like oh never mind that didn't exist type stuff yeah
2: uh, how female elites look in this throw that out the window yeah. these booster frames. I think they might have made an appearance later on, but Frank O'Connor said these things were created just for this specific Mm -hmm. mission. And, I mean, they definitely do have, I don't know, like, I'm going to throw this out there saying an Oni look maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but at one point, another Spartan jumps on one of them it's like give me the turret and they just a turret comes out of back. pull butt. Out a turret out the back it's weird <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so so they go out on these booster frames and there's this giant Covenant fleet mm-hmm. and they're they they know that their package is giving off some kind of signal yeah and they're tracking it yeah so so Solomon f- First wave or first sweep he does finds it. Mm -hmm. So Solomon goes in there and he's like, "Okay, I'm going to get it." And and Kelly's kind of behind him and she's like at the entrance of this this uh, Corvette kind of or or carrier or whatever. She's in the bay. Yeah, she's in the bay. And so he runs in there and of course Master Chief is like. I wasn't a biggest fan of the voice actor for this, but he's like, oh, the,
1: oh, we, this we, is over here.
2: <laughs> we do this first sweep, and now we find it. Seems too easy. And so Solomon runs in and finds that, that Covenant bomb from Halo 2, you mm-hmm. know, the spiky one. So it's like, oh, no. And then that's when Master Chief realizes, like, it's a trap. And so then Kelly and Chief make it out of that bay area. Which was just an odd choice, in my opinion, because...
0: Chief's like mm, that's probably not it, but he flies to the bay as he rises. It's a trap. He goes, hmm, it's a trap. <laughs> so Star Wars it up, yeah. And then and then we flash over to the lead ship, and we go in and see the elite captain. Uh huh. And then so he's all in gold, and then mm-hmm. next to him is this uh, red elite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he was saying, all right, we we took out three of them. You
2: know, and and because he's kind of shaming that red elite, he's like, "You had a battle with him before, and you ran away, and you ran away." Yeah, yeah, and so and so, Chief and Kelly do make it out, but I think mm-hmm. Kelly has to get on the back of, as you said, Fred's booster frame, and then a turret comes out, and so they. I'm, I'm also sorry to interrupt, but I'm really glad uh,
0: that O'Connor wrote this and didn't give it a name. What the, it's, uh... it's not a warhog, it's not a scorpion tank. It's a booster frame. It's not even like a cool <laughs> animal.
2: <laughs> I, I mean, it's not a cool. A, it's, it's not a, not a, a cool vehicle. <laughs> I think ferret might be something. Don't quote me on that. Um, no, jackrabbit is. But um, so uh, during this, also Arthur randomly dies. He gets squished in between two chips or ships. <laughs> two chips.
0: Two There's chips. some
2: Pringles out there. <laughs> <laughs> he got hungry. No, he he <laughs> does get pressed in between two ships and and dies and so they they do realize that it's the main ship that where their package is yeah because like,
0: there was like a signal almost in
2: every ship right yeah a signal in every ship but that one and that's when they're like oh that's that's our main one we're gonna go to that mm-hmm. i'm telling you right now i kind of almost sound exactly like the voice actor they got from master chief right there but so they do make their way on the ship and you see that they're in a bubble shield they, 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 make, they make their way in and like an explosion happens right yeah because what they're doing is so that on so they have archer pod missiles. Mm-hmm. What's the other gun that they have? I don't remember. Aren't they charging up? It's like, a, a gauss. Mi- it's a gauss. Yeah, okay, they're charging that. So, up. so they're charging
0: up their gauss. They have like a gauss cannon like on the bottom, and they have uh-huh. like, these archer pods. So they, they fire the archer pods first, and as they're mm-hmm. approaching, the gauss goes to hit the shields for the hangar bay to get in. Yeah,
2: it like melts them through. Yeah, or something, and like melts like-
0: them through. And so I believe all of their ferrets are now, like, on fire. That's what they are now. <laughs> all, their fer- all their ferrets are on fire. And I think Chief was the one who was like, if you want him, you can have it. And, like, jumps off of his, and, like, mm-hmm. launches his into the bay to blow up as well. Yeah. And it- that explosion kind of takes some Covenant out, but once
2: it kind of... The fires kind of go away. Yeah, you're right. You see they're, that bubble they're, they're shield. They're in the bubble shield, and they're surrounded by the Covenant. And, of course, they're posing. Of course, yeah. They have this cool pose. And so then they just just sprint as fast as possible. Because I think they have always, like – I think they had, like, three minutes for some reason. It was, it was yeah. a time because they're like uh, – After right. ten minutes – Oh,
0: yeah. After ten minutes, uh,
2: they were like, uh, we're going to decimate everything. Yeah, so yeah, if we can't everyone, find it, yeah. yeah, and so – one of them i think chief or one of them has a spartan laser and everyone else has yeah fred has a spartan laser so they're just running through and and brutes and it was it? it's just brutes and grunts or sorry johana and ungoy but they they each take two bullets maybe to die yeah um, and I, so they just book it and it's just that's how quickly people are dropping. It's,
0: it's pretty cool because it's like them, them sprinting through and then Fred will occasionally just like laser some stuff or like blow a hole in the wall, which yeah, is like awesome. Yeah, like their
2: entrance. And I I remember you said you pointed this out with a, what's the Keanu Reeves movie where he kills everyone? John Wick? John Wick. It shows them running out of bullets and uh, restock – or, you know, putting in a new magazine mm-hmm. multiple times. That's one thing that the creators wanted to show. Yeah. Stuff like that. Because – the one point
0: which I thought was kind of dumb, but it relates to the game and you can kind of see it. I think, I know once, I don't know if it's twice, they cut to a view of like the HUD of the, the HUD game. And you see the bullets running out. Yeah, yeah and you see it all. So it's like, all right. All right.
2: Oh, now you like the HUD stuff?
0: All right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So because, and then they did some really cool stuff. So they're running through, they're gun. they're running and gunning. Uh, they got some SMGs, they got some pistols at times. Mm-hmm. And I know at one point, Chief like takes out a couple people. And at the same time, Kelly does like this cool backflip over and grabs two
2: plasma rifles out of the air and mm-hmm. starts spinning and firing. Convenient. There's so, always plasma rifles flying in the air. But yeah, so and then we go back to that, we go back to that gold and red elite. Mm-hmm. Who you know the the red elite's trying to say like, oh, let's get out of here. But the, yeah. gold elite's... the gold the gold's panicking. He's like, they're actually in. They're coming. And that's when the red is like, I'll go deal with them. Well, he he ta- the gold one taunts him to mm-hmm. do it because red does want to run. And that's when gold's like, oh, you're gonna run again. Yeah, and that's when he's like. Ooh, you got me. So he right. goes to face them and at that point, I think Fred gets split off from Kelly and John because they like they get slowed down by elites with swords. Yes, and so so Fred does a really
0: cool move with his knife and like pulls mm-hmm. his knife out, stabs one in the head, mm-hmm. and as they're kind of twisting, he's like go as he and like he goes shuts over, the door. Yeah, he goes over to Chief and does, which I love too. Like pulls his knife uh-huh. it's like go and he's like dueling knives because the red elite is there because uh-huh. yeah. the red has jumped down with his sword
2: dudes. Yeah, and he says, you know, your great journey ends here. Mm-hmm. I thought that line was kind of cool. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah. So then the gold elite is also, I guess you can do this just. Letting pieces of the ship fly off. See, sections? That,
0: that was. I don't understand that. He had a, he has like four buttons on his chair. One I assume is popcorn. Another <laughs> one is probably like entertainment or you know like music or some sort. Uh, Spotify. Yeah. Third one is one he isn't programmed yet. Cause he's probably like an old man. <laughs> and then the other one is detach portions of my ship.
2: <laughs> what? So so that keeps happening as Chief's trying to make his way through. It's, it's like what? Like what would you say? Like maybe like. A 10-meter portion of ship, like a chunk. Yeah, let's Uh, go with that. uh, Yeah, And so eventually Kelly kind of gets left behind in one of the the, uh, blown-off portions. Mm -hmm. So now we think we've lost Fred and Kelly. If you're familiar with the lore at all, you know that's not the case. But then that's when finally Chief finds what this package is. And this is where we find, which in the lore should be like, what, a 50- or 60-year-old Dr. Halsey. That's what we find out. She's in a cryotube. I'm going to say that again. We find a 50- or 60-year-old Dr. Halsey. What does she look like, Alex? But instead, we find hot Halsey. (laughs) We find a 20-year-old Halsey with nice blonde hair all slicked back, and she's skinny and has curves. It was kind of weird. Yes. And then we get—so she gets out of cryo, because
0: I'm trying to remember the lines, and then she gives the— don't make a girl a promise you're not going to keep or whatever they, they
2: did a few of them because at one point chief asked you know did you sleep well and she says no no thanks to your driving
0: yeah and it was all like quips of cortana stuff mm-hmm. which i liked i mean i always th- I th- I love when they do like little stuff like that because obviously cortana is halsey halsey's cortana yeah and i thought it was done well and so mm-hmm. then we see chief is like oh this guy's a button to knock his ship over so we should get out of we here should get out of here but the way i came is gone so apparently
2: there's another way <laughs> <laughs> Even though right outside this door is nothing, well, that's when he meets the red elite. Then the red elite kind of drops out of nowhere as yeah, they're trying to escape. They're, they're in like a f- like one of those circle four way intersections you mm-hmm. see in a covenant ship. So of course, like Chief goes to shoot his gun, but he for Blocks some reason, every bullet he just holds up the sword, does not move, and Chief is just firing into the sword. <laughs> Drop the, the gun down. He's hitting the two
0: prongs somehow, not <laughs> shooting through the middle of it.
2: I, it doesn't sway at yeah. all. But then, uh, but then of course the. The uh, the the elite throws him another sword, so to restore his honor. He mm-hmm. so so they have this like a minute long sword fight where chief is about to lose, but that's when we see that the gold elite breaks off that section of the ship as well, like and they split apart. But it has a baby grav lift. Yeah, it has like this baby grav lift, and we hear the like this cliche line, like "No," he's like a thousand hells way too, to his like commander yeah. who just. Did that so? Chief and Halsey were they in a serif? I think. No. What are they in? They escape in something. They escape in a. Sh- they, they escape in Princess Leia's ship, <laughs> <laughs> that triangly ship. Okay, I will say though, I want to point out serifs are in this. Mm-hmm. We see the Halo Two model um, from the Heretic mission in this so i want to point that out yeah, that was they, cool they
0: are. i'm not really sure exactly what ship it was but it's yeah, like yeah. it's like
2: a, a very small almost i would say like a um an escape pod mm, yeah. in a way yeah and so of course like you have this campy thing where like mass chief's like they're gaining on us and halsey's like can you help with anything and he just throws his arm up in a shrug and i was like oh my god don't do some campy yeah, thing they definitely but then eventually it. that oni prowler comes out of you know, clo- it was cloaked and it comes out of hiding because they have a few like serifs coming up on them. So the Oni prowler takes them out. We find out that Fred and Kelly survived. So now we have this ending where they're all standing in like the brig, mm-hmm. not the brig. That's like a jail, right? <laughs> the, the bridge, the bridge. Finish the, the bridge. Bridge, bridge, bridge. Bridge. Yeah. yeah, standing in the brigaja. and so we have you know this line where where it, it's kind of a cliche thing where Master Chief's like. That elite was strong. I need to be stronger. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and then, I'll never let anyone else die. Yeah. And then and then Halsey's like, we all need to be stronger. And then I think it, it does like a, a line akin to like, you know, I think we're just I think this war is just getting started like the ending of combat evolves.
0: Yeah. Um oh, I, sorry to jump back to I should remember this. That little weird craft called a Ren
2: Shuttle. Ren Shuttle? Yeah. Is that what it's called? You looked it up? Yeah. Okay. Just so you guys know, Triangle Ren Shuttle. So yeah, so that was the package. And I want to touch a little bit, you know, on just some stuff going on with the production of this. So uh, Shinji Aramaki was inspired to create a story before the events of the fall of Reach because he wanted to know more about the events prior Mm -hmm. to that that book. Part of the game. Yeah. Or, yeah, part of the game. So he also wanted to see Chief fighting in space because clearly, you know, Spartans are going to do well. Um, on the ground. But he wanted to see how well he would fare in space. That's another reason why he included the booster frames. Ferrets. <laughs> the ferrets. The ferrets. And not. so the script was written by De Sato. And I also wanted to throw this in because I thought it was cool because mocap was used for this. And I think it was the first time we would see mocap used in the Halo universe. I thought it was Halo Reach, mm-hmm. but it was actually in this. You And you could definitely see it, especially that mm-hmm. sword fight. Well, they even brought up how when you have mocap it's different for like the how the actors express themselves when it's a japanese artist versus a western mm-hmm. one and they use the japanese actors i guess to do that so also when the when the american and japanese voice actors were were recording mm-hmm. they recorded their faces to help animate the faces with the dialogue which i thought was interesting i want to be stuck with chief's animation for his face <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be my job for this. And so finally I want to say that a physicist was actually consulted to see how the 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 ferrets would mm-hmm. work in space. So they actually called up a physicist, they're like this is the design. And he's like, That design is stupid. And they're like, Well, that's where we're going with. And he's like, All right. I ad lib that that conversation. I, honestly, <laughs>
0: honestly, here's the thing. Like th- this could be a. F- I-, I love this because this could be a fact from anything We're like like they put this on their thing, like, yeah, we contacted so and so of this university said it would work. And the guy's like
2: yeah, they called me. I didn't have time, so I just said yes. You know that there is a hotline um, where you can call, like, if you're writing a book or making a movie, mm-hmm. where they have scientists who are like, we want to do this. Is this realistic? And they'll be like, yeah, Yeah, like I don't fact know. check stuff. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. So, yeah, th- that was overall the eight stories we had. Mm-hmm. So, of course, now let's move on to music. So, Marty O'Donnell was actually too busy with work on Halo 3 ODST to work on Legends as well. So thus old Halo tracks were re-orchestrated for the soundtrack of Legends, which I think worked well. I, it did because you're the, you you set the pace for these and some tracks are shorter, mm-hmm. or not shorter, some tracks are slower, some tracks are faster. So I think I think it worked well. Yeah. So 343 Industries would look to David Christensen for the soundtrack, making it the second Halo project that Marty did not have a hand in musically. Christian said would take iconic tracks from Halo 1 through 3 and re-record them for the Legends soundtrack. And we also had additional tracks that were created by
0: Yasuharu Takanashi, Naoyuki Hiroko, and Tetsu Takahashi on the episodes The Duel and The Package. Mm-hmm. Yasuharu Takanashi created the tracks Blade and Burden, Steel and Light, True Arbiter, and Shattered Legacy. Naoyuki Hiroko created Out of Darkness, and finally, Tetsuyuka Takahashi created tracks Into Light, Here in Peril, Risk and Reward, and Exit Window.
2: Yeah, so so other than the tracks that were used for the duel, a lot of these were just, like, kind of filler tracks. Really, yeah, They are like, 30 seconds to a minute long. Yeah, they, they kind of helped the animation go along and mm-hmm. jump, like,
0: the fight scene we see mm-hmm. um, within the duel, like, mm-hmm. obviously, that changes it up because yeah. that, that changes from, like, this greeny, yellow, bluish... Kind of warm and cool tones to like
2: deadly red and orange tones in that Mm -hmm. sand. Yeah. So some Halo tracks would be featured in the film that weren't re-recorded for the soundtrack and thus weren't featured in the official soundtrack like... Um, there's a few flood esque tracks from Halo Combat Evolved that play in Odd One Out mm-hmm. uh, when he's like coming into atmosphere and whatnot. So yeah, th- those weren't re recorded. They probably just needed something and just threw those in.
0: Oh yeah, they just had like the sound label mm-hmm. the sound yeah. samples. Was like that one.
2: Yeah. So containing a total of 30 tracks, the soundtrack was released on a two disc set and it was released digitally February 9th through Something Else Music Works and Something Digital. So at this point, Something Else Music Works had their digital yeah section where they were just doing it all online mm-hmm. so when it came to working on this david christensen had this to say it's a great honor to record for Halo Legends. The Dynamedian composers did an exceptionally good job in transforming the more electronic and synthetic productions to a fresh orchestral sound and in composing additional music in the style of the original soundtrack. I like those compositions very much, and it was a pleasure to work on this project with a satisfying musical result. And it wasn't until I read that quote that I realized that any kind of electronic aspects in the music was thrown out. Mm-hmm. It made it really, really interesting, but I think that this soundtrack is really good. You have things like, like I think, something that stands out is Sacred Icon Suite 2, which they use now basically for every trailer ever for Halo, but it was a good soundtrack overall. I liked the different takes on Marty's music. Oh, yeah. And so then we come to the release versions. Mm-hmm. So, like we said,
0: originally released on both DVD and Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. We also have that digital download version for both the music and for the movie itself. Mm-hmm. And then we've got it through Halo Waypoint mm-hmm. on the Halo Channel. And then, good old term, of video on demand. Yep. Available February, July 31st, 2017. So you've seen on Netflix and mm-hmm. other platforms.
2: Yeah. So... Quickly, let's talk about what this does for the lore. So I want to start it with saying we get a brief history of the Forerunners and their encounter with the Flood, even though Cortana stated that she kind of guessed and pieced together some aspects of that story. Yeah, I think that was one way to
0: kind of retcon some of that was like, Mm -hmm. in it, she's like, from all of human knowledge and what I'm getting, I'm piecing together missing facts Mm -hmm. as best I can Mm -hmm. yeah we also see the origin of species
2: basically Mm
0: -hmm. that after that what happened after the halo rings
2: yeah and so we also see you know a brief look into the first arbiter that stood against the prophets along with like an insight into Zangheili culture Mm -hmm. which I think is really really interesting because it is very you know inspired of Japanese culture we also learn about that at one point Halsey was kidnapped by the covenant, yeah. and she didn't know it. I mean, of course, clearly there's other things we can get from it, but I think the the two big ones that I did want to talk about is we see the forerunners mm-hmm. um, and kind of an insight into their culture, along with uh, an insight to the culture of the elites as well. Zing Healy.
0: Yeah, and the one thing I want to bring up too uh, we see ferrets
2: <laughs> and uh, T Rexes. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Love <laughs> the, it. the two things that stand out. Yep. So now let's move on to the general reaction of it. So during its first week of sales, Legends would be ranked number two in Blu-ray disc sales and number four in DVD sales in the U.S. Legends also ranked at number seven in animation Blu-ray disc sales during its first week in Japan. I want to say that's kind of impressive. Well, especially like we said,
0: for uh, a hyped up genre bit because it is Mm -hmm. getting produced there. But for a game that is not as of the people who write and do everything for Halo don't understand it. Mm-hmm. You kind of assume that a lot of the
2: cultures probably like that
1: mm-hmm.
0: and sales numbers. So it's really cool that it's actually high.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So in the first week, over 168,000 DVDs were sold. And as of 2018, sales would reach $11 million in the US alone. Nice. So Halo Legends was the first time that we would see a movie released in the Halo universe. Movie, take it with a grain of salt something fans had been waiting for ever since they had the news of that Halo movie a few years prior. Mm -hmm. Though this wasn't exactly the Master Chief live-action movie that fans had been looking for, it's something fans would accept nonetheless. Though most reviewers would state that overall the movie was good, it may not appeal to a casual fan base or non-Halo fans at all.
0: It's definitely understandable. I mean, Mm -hmm. because obviously a lot of these were kind of niche stories you kind of had to know about, but... How do you write it – would, it would just be so tough to write for a general audience for this without it being yeah. boring or retelling – like trying to be um, Origins 1 and yeah. 2 but for the entire thing. Yeah, like or that's... or
2: being like the Fall of Reach or something. Like yeah, like a, re- a full retelling of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now let's move on to some scores that it's gotten. Uh, so on IMDb, users would give it a 6.6 6 out of 10. IGN gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Amazon users gave it a 4 out of 5. It got a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Goodreads, don't know why I pulled that list, but it was just something I find. Goodreads <laughs> gave it a 4.29 out of 5, which are like, Somebody, I can't someone, read anything. It's someone, a movie. Someone read the script. <laughs> <laughs> My anime list would give it a 7.1 out of 10. Rate your music. Again, I got what I got. Gave it a 2.58 out of 5. <laughs> what? <are> you <laughs> what? What? I, you hey, know what? They probably, they probably were watching this. This isn't music. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have Doggo Movies, gave it a five out of five. Um, <laughs> it's Dogo Movies. Oh. I read <laughs> Doggo. Uh,
0: so a dog gave it a 5 out of 5. I'm going to keep going with these notes, Jesse, but Amazon, again, <laughs> gave it a 4 out of 5. I don't if know you, why I If you forgot Amazon the first twice. time, and they did give it a 4 out of 5. Best Buy gave it a 4.25 out of something. Out of 5? Sure. Walmart gave it a 4.5 out of 5, and 90% of Google
2: users, quote unquote, liked the movie. Well, for something like Google, you know, you can only like, – and now, like, all those platforms are changing. Like, on Facebook, you can only recommend or not recommend. Yeah. So, Google, you can like or dislike something. Yeah. So, when it came to the overall project that was Halo Legends, Kiki Wolfkill had this to say – Even though Halo Legends isn't the most famous piece of Halo content out there, it does feel authentic, different, and really helped us build some muscle around how we bring other creators into our universe and let them play. Philosophically, we've carried that forward and really liked the idea of a different creative voices in our universe, even if the creative expression feels very different from anything we've done before. I'm changing my last name. To Wolfkill? Yeah. (laughs) So with that being said, let's talk about what we thought of the movie and as always alex please lead this discussion
0: you know what i once again i'm a huge fan of anything that takes stuff away from the main story Mm -hmm. you know obviously we have the games to tell that we have a lot of the books to kind of beef that up Mm -hmm. which tell their own story for the most part but especially the beginning books kind of go along with it or just stuff in general that's kind of off the beaten path and that's Mm -hmm. i think what this really was yeah I mean, you know, like we said, like The Babysitter, and even though it, there's some kitschy anime cliches I'm a big fan of with it, like the, you know, reveal of a long-flowing-haired woman type deal, that's, that's you know, but she was strong type thing. I think that's just kind of silly, but that's just kind of the times of what mm-hmm. it was when it was produced. Um, overall, would I watch it again right away? Probably not. Okay, uh, I, w- I would say... Is it a staple, and should it be included, and should you watch it? Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. if you're a Halo fan, to kind of just get in that. If you if you appreciate uh, artistic styles taken in things, especially the watercolor motif, mm-hmm. even if you don't like it, like like you were saying, it's it's kind of hard to read on screen, mm-hmm. but just appreciate the time and effort that went into creating this. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of being like, okay, feudal Japan, all right, let's get that feel, watercolor with it, like... I think artistically it's such a neat choice. Is it the right choice? You know, who knows? Who knows? But, uh, you know, I would say overall you should watch it and you should appreciate it. But for me, it's probably not going to be a rewatch until I have to like
2: dig through some lore, like, you know, piecemeal it again. Mm -hmm. See, I'm the opposite. I, I, I love this. Like, um, there, there was a point when I, when I first started doing like the, the uh, art that we give away for our patrons, I would put it on a lot and just have it playing in the background because I remember, you know, when I first found out about this, my buddy had the DVD and he was like, "Did you know that there's a Halo anime?" And of course, it's not what I expected. I didn't, I didn't realize it was gonna be like an anthology. Mm-hmm. But I remember watching it. I said, I was, I was like sixteen or seventeen at the time, and I had just thought it was, it was so cool and it was so different. I think it's aged well. For the most part, I mean, it's hard for an anime that was produced, you know, in 2009 or 10 to not age well, but I really appreciated what went on with it. I loved the idea that Frank O'Connor saw what the graphic novel was mm-hmm. and how he wanted something like that, too. And I think overall, that's what he got. I mean, as a whole, uh, fans do appreciate it. And I don't know. Fans have, have very often said, you know. We want another. We want another legends, another one. But Frank O'Connor has ma- made it pretty clear this is the only one we're ever doing. But I think that's a good call because if you start doing more and more, then they stop becoming unique. Um, I disagree. I think if we had Spartan Lee have his own spinoff <laughs> series, I would watch it religiously. It's of the Spielberg show we're getting if we got that because it's already non-canonical yes, anyway yes. so give me I, some spartan lead. i mean that would be funny i yeah, give us like this offshoot non-canonical thing but yeah I, oh I, I want all right so this, this is gonna be an entire episode
0: i'm gonna do now bonus episode lead episodes we want <laughs> <laughs> i want an
2: episode where he just finds some grunts but they become friends <laughs> yeah i know you guys want a halo infinite what we want episode we're throwing that idea out now we're just doing a spartan lead. episode what we want spartan Lee Actually, do you like that idea that it becomes friends with them. Not gonna mm-hmm. lie, mm-hmm. let's make it happen. No, but but overall, I mean, you know, when you kind of make the golden goose mad, like you're not gonna get golden eggs anymore. So I think like the idea of keeping it a one off thing, yeah. I think I think it makes fans truly appreciate it. Like I said stuff like like uh, the prototype to me is my favorite one. And it's definitely one that tugs at your heartstrings. You know, this idea of like, we see a, a, a character arc and we see, you know, a transformation of who this man is within a 20 minute short, which it's hard to pull off, but you get that he goes down MIA, even though we both know that he he did die. I think stories like that were really cool. And I do appreciate the idea of them saying this is Halo legends. Cause it still tells the stories of legends mm-hmm. in the Halo universe. But, I mean, overall, I, I love it. It It's one of my favorite things to ever come from the franchise okay. uh, immediately beyond the games. All right. So so uh,
0: on a scoring method, what would you give
2: it? I know I score these really high. I'm going to say I think I'm going to have to do, I want to say a uh, 4.5 out of 5. Okay. Okay.
0: That's pretty good. Um, like I said, not my cup of tea per se. I thought mm-hmm. it was interesting to do. But I would probably give it... Two hot (laughs) halseys plus a ferret ride um, along with a watercolored boatman down the narrow dinosaur channel uh, out of seven.
2: None of that made sense. There you go. I thought you were going to say out of 1,337. No, it's ridiculous. (laughs) But yeah, so that being said, that is our Legends episode. I know you guys were really looking forward to this one. So I was really excited to do this. The research before it was fun. I've watched it, I watched it like one and a half times a day just to prep for it. But I did put it on the background while I was like cleaning the apartment. Half a time? Because I I put it on while I was cleaning the apartment. But, you know, I've watched it probably half, as I said, like half a dozen times. This is in Discord. Half a dozen times since like the past two weeks Mm -hmm. just to prep for it. Because I do appreciate it and I do like it. And, you know, I am glad that overall you enjoyed it too. Yeah,
0: and I'm not putting it down. Like I said, for me, it's something... That I appreciate, but it's kind of like if I, if I did watch an anime that I, I enjoyed, but it's kind of like a one-off for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I watched it; it's nothing really to touch back on. And I don't necessarily touch back on a lot of things per se. Like it has to be something I fall in love with. And like I said, things like Full Metal Alchemist or Cowboy Bebop or even like like even movies mm-hmm. that, that like Mad Max: Fury Road are things that I buy that I truly enjoy that
2: I'll watch again. Mm-hmm. But this for me was just it was a one-off. It was good though. I, like I said I still recommend it. I just completely forgot that we have this in the studio right here. Hmm. I forgot because I, I was thinking the other. It's like I could have swore I owned this on DVD, and I dug through <laughs> all my DVDs. It is sitting right next to me in the studio this whole time. Oh well, so, so you, so it, you he, do own it. We do own it. Actually, we have yeah. joint custody of the of this. Sorry, right. I watched it on Netflix, and you bought it on YouTube for six dollars. I did. I I did buy it on youtube a few months before i realized it was on netflix because i am an idiot but overall i enjoyed it hey you're just you're just a boomer it's all right <laughs> but no i it's for me especially for like a halo collection that we have here mm-hmm. i would love to I, I love having the physical copy yeah, of it totally that, that's just me so yeah with that being said that was our halo legends episode and it was fun yeah so stay tuned not really but tune into the post show on a different recording if you're one of our patrons
0: mm-hmm. yeah so who, stay tuned ish who, who are they who are yeah, those so, patrons so, we're talking about so for those of you who don't know or who are new or been referred to us through whatever channel, if you haven't stuck through my annoying speech at the end, I'm gonna give it to you one more time. So we host a patron. It's a little bit different. We have a special some special tiers that not only just help us out, but like give you guys some really cool stuff, like mm-hmm. bonus episodes, the post show, prints. T shirts. Tree on game nights. Yeah, or if you give us a billion dollars, we'll fly you out. You know, you do whatever you mm-hmm. want. Yeah. I don't know. Some goofy shit. Some goofy stuff. But yeah, just, just really want to thank you guys and give this shout out. I um, want to start with Anger Canadian, Baby Z, Charles Zitter, Grant Dillon, Harvey Chong, Tactics, pasquale Orozco.
2: I'm going to get that right. Skyjack and Slam Duncan 87. And those are our amazing patrons. Thank you so much for supporting us and being a part of this community. As always, our, our Discord is open to any and all. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and all podcast platforms if you ever have a question or anything please message us let us know we, we love talking to you guys that's why we have the discord so you know anything you you know want to know or you just want to chat about like we've been talking a lot about bionicle lore lately for some reason
0: yeah and you know what we'll, we'll we'll put this for requests and we'll also have this on our site if you want to send us some some fan mail or some questions through the mm-hmm. mail people do that still we'll let you know hit us up you know we'll, we'll always feature uh, packages you guys send us, art, any of that stuff. We'll always make sure that we feature those things. We we truly appreciate it. We've mm-hmm. got some stuff from from some of our awesome fans. Angry Canadian sent us Angry- a lot of cool things. He said some stuff from Japan fitting for this episode. Yeah. Um, which was awesome. We truly, truly appreciate
2: that and we love you all. So yeah. Thank yeah. you. Again, thank you for tuning in. It's been fun so far. The new year is, you know, treating us great. And I I do want to give a shout out to Ham and Spam Retro Review because I hounded them for a while to do a review of Super Mario Bros 2. And they actually did do that. It was really cool. So I'm glad they do listen to their, their listeners. And if you think that they should do an episode, go find them on Twitter and tell them what, you know, what you think they should do or Instagram. So shout out to those guys. It was really cool that they did that. So with that being said, I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. And I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a Halo podcast.
1: Halo. It's finished. No. I think we're just getting-